Welcome to Thirsty on Tune, where we drink wine and read webtoons. Hi, I'm your co-host Bronwyn, your webtoon obsessive, dopamine addicted, idiots in love, and slow burn sommelier. And I'm your co-host Chris, webtoons acolyte, enemies to lovers lover, and banter core aficionado. So pull up a page, pour yourself a drink, and let's dive in. You're thirsty on Maine, we're thirsty on Tune. Hello. And hey, I think there's another voice on the line. Uh, this <gasps> coming in hot. Who's here? Is it a bird? Is it a is brain? It ring? Hello. <laughs> um, <laughs> the phone. It's Hello. our queer respondent. TJ. <laughs> Back for another queer end review, which is not, as some people thought, us reviewing butts. Though that could happen at our oh. Patreon. <laughs> oh, I'm sensing game for part two. <laughs> That's what I do in my spare time. That's our rear end <laughs> review. <laughs> that was clever. Did you have that ready in your canon? Came up with it just now. Even oh, better. Good job. <laughs> oh Even my god. Better. Hi TJ, you're back. So for yes. those who didn't listen last year, TJ is my co-host for Gotham Outsiders. And librarian extraordinaire. And just the coolest. Pretty much. Oh, thanks. Yesterday, <laughs> yeah. I was sitting in my office, uh, organizing, donating queer books to all of my local high schools. Aww, so nice. That's so cool. Yeah. So Look this is you. what I get to do for work and for fun. Yay. Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you know Edna Mode, no capes. Yes. <laughs> no capes. No, I'm so excited to be here. So thank you yeah. for having me back. I love that we're making this a yearly yes. thing it yeah, is our absolutely. tradition we've done it twice which makes it a tradition indeed <laughs> yes after time two it is <laughs> a thing. Time two. so we uh learned from last year that we should split this into two because by the end we were like actually we don't want to talk about books anymore we're tired punch so, drunk <laughs> and drunk and drunk <laughs> so are we drinking anything tonight what do we what do we got i have a very light uh cottage springs beverage vodka soda in watermelon Ooh. Ooh. I wanted to make uh, some malt wine for the like Christmas vibe. I didn't quite have the ingredients, but I I went through half the steps of making malt wine, mm. which does that mean I basically just have hot, not spiced wine? Yes, but it's very soothing. <laughs> I have acid reflux, so I'm drinking water. But yesterday I had a carbonated water and I'm still living really large off of that. Amazing. <laughs> that acid reflux you are. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Well, I propose that, uh, I think we did this last year, but if we didn't, I propose it as a new idea. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm either confident that we did it last year. I didn't. Did I go back to listen? No, that would not be my <laughs> chaos energy at all. No, of course not. Um, I think we should go, each of us do our number 10 and then each of us do our number nine and like that. Oh, That's crud. Funny. I was supposed to actually put them in numerical order. Ah, this is so funny because last year, <laughs> the, both of you did it and I didn't do it. And then, <laughs> now, ah. this year I was like, no, they did it last time. I'm going to do it. 
I'm big on making lists and ranking things, so I just always do that. I know, but but you did it last year, Broadway. Everything is my favorite. I know. No, that's okay. You can. That's your disclaimer. I read over 400 novels this year. Okay. Well, wait. We're not there yet. So it was enough to get me down to 10. And I'm not gonna lie, there are four honorable mentions. (laughs) I have honorable mentions too. I guess we should start there. Let's talk our stats. So, Bronwyn, how many did you read that you know of? Because I know you lose track. I definitely lost track. So um I have 15 reading apps and I tracked in a wait, spreadsheet. What, what are your wait, what are your reading apps? How do you 15? <laughs> what the fuck? What are you that reading? That includes on? my comics. So, yeah, still, okay, so okay. what how many how many is that? So Kobo. Yeah. Kobo, Kindle, Libby, over something. Overdrive. Overdrive. Mm. Um okay. Hoopla? Yes. yes. Um uh, archive of our own, obviously. Uh, I love that you count that. Yes, let's go. Of course I do. Tapas, <laughs> uh, Comixology, uh, NetGalley, um, Easy XKCD, um, The Hunt comic, uh, Storygraph. Okay, so, okay, got it. What else? Webtoon. You didn't count Webtoon. Yeah, oh yeah, dumb. Webtoon. Did I say Libby? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I had to do think have, about it. Do you have lib- do you have a uh, Audible or Libro? Yeah, I have Libro. Yep. Okay. Yes, I got rid of Audible because I I just I couldn't I I had to get rid of something. I mean, <laughs> that's still not that's still not fifteen. What was the other ones? Uh, <laughs> you were yeah. counting. I was right? counting. No, I had fifteen. I have minimized. Well, what else did I read? Okay, nope. What else? I'm just the, curious because I didn't page, know. Oh, were kiss. 15. You have me oh, looking at all of my apps kids. now. Um, well, I mean, I think I have most of these too. I just really had never said that. To be fair, I have about 20 and I probably use about 15 of them. I, mean, I was thinking yeah. about it. If you count like every Libby account that I, or uh, yeah, Libby account that I have. I have two Kindle accounts. I have two Kobo accounts. I, have... I yeah. think you have a problem. I think you might. <laughs> I have uh, like five library cards. So I have five Libby accounts and yeah. I usually uh-huh. have the maxed of holds, even though I can't read that many. Right. So, so this yeah. is what I'm talking about. So, and then with all of those apps, I only actually tracked out of two of them and only one, like, did I track like obsessively? Yeah. So where the actual app is Kindle. tracking for yeah. me that I can move it over. So Which um, was Kindle, right? That was Kindle. Yeah. So with like, I'll say 98% of my Kindle reading and probably 85% of my Kobo reading, I hit 350. God damn. So that doesn't include my physical books. It doesn't include my ARCs. That doesn't include my, um, uh, like anything AO3 or any of my web stuff or, um, wow. Okay, to be fair, I don't I don't count any of that either. Right? So, so I just but, use Goodreads. I use Goodreads like, to I track read? as well. And I count I every graphic novel, just so it, you know. I do it takes me way too long to log shit on Goodreads. I cannot use it. I find it just intolerable. I really only uh title rating. That's all I do on Goodreads. I don't usually review. TJ is pretty loyal at reviewing them. I yeah. used to write really long reviews. Now I I probably don't review most of them but i try to do a few sentences yeah i no, i just i title and star and that's about it oh and Uh, oh google books i forgot to talk about google books i read a bunch of stuff in google okay that was 15 Um, then that was yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> it was bothering me. I was like, I know, I know you were right on that number because you're so particular about that. But I was like, what's the 15th? Then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So are we, are we talking about our honorable mentions? I, I think we should. Cause yeah, I have I two I want to mention. Yeah. Before we get there. So that was Braun wins. How many did you read TJ? Um, According to Goodreads, I read 222, but that's Ooh. including like yeah. graphic novels of like issues I'm reading every month collected. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely see, more graphic novels than You do prose. trade, you, do you do issues or do you do trade paperback? Like do you do individual issues or do you only do collected? So I read issue to issue every month, but I count that towards the trade paperback. On I Goodreads. do that too. Yeah. Because cool. I feel like, because I feel like I'm already cheating by counting it. I don't think it's. I do not. I do not think okay. that's cheating. No, I don't. Good. But I. Agree. I was like, I, if I do issues, I feel like that's really that feels cheating. like cheating too. I agree. Yes. Individual issues is too short. But it's kind of like chapters. The, yeah, like counting yes. chapters. I agree. I yeah. Count the so trades. as I go, I update, and I'm like, okay, issue three, I finished. I'm fifty percent done. Yeah, and I, I just agree. keep track that way. That's cool. So, yeah. I like that. Including, so I read the least. I was in such a slump. But I mean, that's if you don't count webtoons, which I don't have an efficient way to track. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know how to track it um, without did individually it, tracking issues. Did you not get your uh, your review? Your My year rats? end review? Yeah. No, I haven't done. Wait, is that up? I haven't yeah. done it yet. <gasps> Shit. Okay, well, I have to look at that for. Maybe we should talk about that next uh, episode. Oh, yeah. Okay, two. we'll do that. Yeah, part two. Um. So I I think I I think I read more webtoons this year, but we'll see. I guess to be continued but i think webtoons count i think they do too oh, i just don't have a way to track them as well mm-hmm. but yeah. i uh i so i read less overall books and graphic novels this year because i had a major slump because reasons this year was rough yeah. uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but i still hit my goal today Woo! i read 100 books yay nice. <laughs> i officially read like uh 18 of them this month i was like i'm gonna get to 100 and i'm gonna read them all as soon as school ended i was like reading and that was it the tj literally was like hey do you want to talk a little bit before the show and i was like i can't i'm still reading (laughs) (laughs) but i got it done i hit the goal literally goodreads balloons popped up right on my thing right before the show and i was like yeah i did it (laughs) i love it that's satisfying it was satisfying So we did, did you track, did anyone track anything else uh, other than just overall number Mm. or was that basically it? I know Goodreads usually says like, oh, this was the shortest book you read. This was the longest book you read. Right. I haven't got that yet. So I'm not sure. So that might be a to be continued for next episode as well. Yeah. Check back in for maybe some more book stats for some of us at least. (laughs) 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 All right. So I guess we should dive in. Oh, we have, I should actually look at the outline is what I should do. (laughs) I actually made an outline this year, y'all. Look at that. (laughs) Pretty impressive. Um, so uh we all agreed collectively that we have some honorable thought MVPs. Mm -hmm. My reasoning for this, and I, I think Bronwyn, I think TJ, you would agree, is we don't want our friends to compete for spots on our top tens. <laughs> no, because obviously, like, I can't, and also we can't let our friends absolutely monopolize our top yeah. tens. Because they Because would. dear Lord, friends, also, take it down a notch. <laughs> but also, this is not MySpace top friends. Like, we're not going, like, which of our friends is better this year? Like, yeah. we're, we're not, we're not, we're not doing that. <laughs> no, exactly. So well, I think um, that's a great idea. 
Because then, I mean, people know who our friends are. We've been doing this a while, so right. So we yeah, don't want to gonna... be having them on there or accused of having them on there just because we're buddies. But right. they are also very talented. Oh right. my god! <laughs> so we want to talk about them, but we are not including them on our actual ranked list. We are giving them the honorable thought awards because they're Woo! all thoughts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, would you do the honors of talking about our first thought, Broadwin? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Um, Okay, so our first honorary thought is David R. Slayton, because David, oh, my God. Okay, you know you're my dealer of choice. (laughs) Trauma is what my therapist has heard of you. Right? Like, dear Lord. Um, Because David would have had more than one entry on my list this year. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the problem. He's also really prolific, like David. Because um, he had Dark Moon, Shallow Sea, which we were been waiting on. Uh, oh. I mean, we were waiting. We had it, arcs of it, so we were not yes. waiting on it. But I was waiting for the audiobook, though, because Michael Axtell is so friggin' oh my good. God. Also, those those pictures he had, um, he commissioned co- like uh, models to basically cosplay his characters, and they were yeah, it was so that good. Was so cool. Oh my God, it was mm-hmm. so great. Um, but he also did a foray into Romance Land, which is the entire reason I have the Kiss app, if I'm being completely honest. Yes. Uh, I need to read that to catch a geek, it's right? It's so geek. good. I yes. It sounds excellent. And it it looks so cute. And I love that it's like on an app so I can read it on my phone. Yes. yes. My understanding, at least the when I signed up for Kiss, I got a free book. So mm-hmm. I was able to read it as my first free book. So if oh, you nice. are not part of Kiss yet, sign up and you can get his book. Exactly. So that's how I did it. I don't know if that's still true, but that was how it was when I signed up. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So we love you, David. Oh, so good. And cannot wait to have you as our honorary thought next year for all the books you're going to see. Oh, oh, my God. Rogue, Rogue Community College. <laughs> I know. I'm dying. I can't. Rogue Community College is the book of my dreams because yeah. we know we've talked about it on the show. Vran is my guy. Yes, monkey. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I cannot fucking wait. So he is our first honorary thought. Our second honorary thought is also an honorary outsider. So crossover Ooh. award here is uh, Ben Khan. Yay. Oh my God, Ben, their first foray into prose this year. Right. Because owning comics, like being a boss at comics was not enough for them, I guess. Clearly. So, I mean, <laughs> um, a scholastic masterpiece. I, L. Campbell, um, conquers the day the weekend sorry yeah when's the weekend yeah when's the god i i can't (laughs) i cannot word any words correctly tonight um i was doing this earlier today too i couldn't remember the word dog so that that (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i was like what is that thing uh (laughs) yeah that book is so good um i know tj and i got arcs of it tj do you want to talk about it a little bit yeah so i read it maybe like two months before it came out yeah. finally I felt so bad because I got it so early in, but I finally got around to it and I I absolutely loved it it was just so bubbly and yeah. it explored gender identity in a really authentic way for like mm-hmm. middle schoolers and younger mm-hmm. kids so I I, it's definitely going to be on some book lists that I'm putting together for uh in June and I, one of my favorite characters of like the year was in the book and that's Gosh, I forget his name, but it's Elle's friend. He's like yeah. the blonde golden retriever boy. Yes. Um, one of my favorite characters of the year. Freaking loved him. Isn't it Colin? Am I making that up? 
I don't remember. I'm so I, bad I, with names. I should, I, know, I should have researched this. We're I, classically good at forgetting names on thought. Yes. That's our whole thing. But yeah. like legit, anything Ben writes, I'm going to read because always they are so flipping funny. And I was Holy excited crap. to have a book that I could give one of my nibblings because, yes. you know, most of uh, their work is not safe for work. <laughs> so I have not been able to share most of it with nibblings uh, as yet. But I was very excited because I was like, oh, my nibblings can read this one. <laughs> yeah, they're... no, I, it was so funny. Oh, my God. They're so funny. I can't. I can't. Their graphic novel, Renegade Rule, remains to this day in my top five graphic oh God, novels yes. of all time like gay gamer girls oh gay my god girls. gay gamer girls like I, word meets overwatch I, mean, I cannot it's so good it's so good there's a couple in that book that's so buy for buy and i just oh my god yes i cannot with how much i love them i know it's so good i will so. say i think scholastic i'm gonna call scholastic out i Ooh. think they did not promote this book enough not even a little it bit. has not received the amount of attention that it deserves yeah, yeah. i agree it is 100 percent to me it's insane i yeah. because i mean we went to see scholastic at ala i think yeah. right and they I were like no we don't even it. have the arc here right yeah they said they didn't bring any and it was coming out in like two months yeah and so they were not promoting it so, and we like, like specifically came up to ask for that yeah. book like it was embarrassing yeah like scholastic if, that book, if your book is coming out in two months and you don't have it at a big library event like that you're doing something wrong nope you need to fix it come on scholastic get on it yeah yeah we have faith in you to do better but you gotta do better (laughs) i'm like the fact that they published it at all i'm like good for you but if you're gonna publish it you need to then put the work behind it well and this is it like you're sitting on a success and then let it fail because you failed yeah right exactly and then point at that as a failure like right side is it hasn't been failing and it has been getting lots of star reviews which is which is Exactly, because but that's amazing. all down to Ben. Exactly. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. And Ben has a lot of exciting projects coming out, so I'm I'm excited to see them on our honorable thought list next year as well. Yeah. So basically, go read and review L. Campbell yeah. because yeah. it's fantastic. Let's exactly. be the straight team for L. Campbell because it deserves it. So. <laughs> Um, speaking of things that deserve all our praise, technically this is a book episode, but if we're doing honorary thoughts, we cannot not talk about Jazia Axelrod. True and story. The Hot Girl series that came out this year. <laughs> PJ sent a hilarious message on Christmas to our group chat with Jazia that was like, I'm reading my holy text, and it was just hot girl. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah. you know I'll talk about graphic novels, so I had to throw this one up there mm-hmm. as an honorary thought. A hundred percent. Oh no, we love we love Jadzia. Everything she touches turns to gold. It's like, true, and I'm, I'm so glad that she's writing Hot Girl, like a a big DC character, and she got to fulfill her dream of writing Batman. Yes, in an issue, and she's so good at writing Batman. Oh God! Give Jadzia a Gotham story. Come on, DC! I want, I want Jadzia in Gotham. <laughs> yes, this one was a little bit of a sneak from me. You might sense that as a trend this year because uh the graphic novel volume yeah. comes out in june and yes. pride month but all the issues are currently out right now yes so. it counts we it counts we count it it. Counts. pre-order it pre-order exactly pre-order. do it because more more jadzia yes um, trans alien princess is in there yeah <laughs> oh we love we love it we love, love to it. see it right. oh my and God. hawk girl <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hawk girl is also there yes <laughs> 
So those are our honorary thoughts, but now we're about to get controversial because we mm-hmm. are doing our top 10 list and at least two of the three of us have actually ranked them. Look, I ranked yeah. them very quickly while you guys okay, were okay. talking. So they're sort of ranked, but the ranking is the like right now in this instant and you cannot hold me to it in the future. Eagle-eared listeners might notice that Brownman and I have switched places from last year in which <laughs> I didn't rank them. <laughs> Next year. What are, Brownman, we'll you see. said you had some like honorable mentions. What I were do, those? Yes. Okay, so my honorable mentions this year are the Husband Hoax by Saxon James, Ooh. which was hilarious. It's basically two disaster gays in a, like faking an engagement um, to prop each other up in their lives. And then finding out that, hey, my disaster matches your disaster. This is actually working. Why is this working? I don't know. But then we're running with it. <laughs> I love that trope. <laughs> right? It's so good. And just the character, like, Saxon James has such a dab hand at characters they're so charming and so um comforting you just want to be in their lives and have their friends and you feel like for the for the the length of time you're in the novel that you're in their lives with them and it's yeah it they're so great and she always makes it so that there's always a cast of characters right so this is the first in a new series from her so i'm very excited about it did um I, did i nice. read this one wow it sounds so familiar uh, maybe <laughs> i'm looking it up now i'm like why did it i definitely talked your ear off about it maybe when i was reading why. it so i mean i sent you pictures of the text I that said, could be why yeah um oh it has Star- a cat on the cover y'all it has a yeah, cat on the cover it definitely does so i mean i'm the target audience it's right. me <laughs> uh star of the game by amy aislin with like very early 2023 but i love amy aislin and you know i had to have a hockey romance on here so sorry not sorry <laughs> um project hero by briar prescott is i love briar I, I love briar prescott okay i just we're gonna come back to briar prescott later okay. but um this particular one just made me really happy because it had kind of my favorite with a little bit of idiots in love a little bit of the nerd jock dynamic a little bit of the like but some of that just a little bit on its head hmm. which i really really enjoyed <laughs> so project hero is a is a good um entry point if you haven't read a lot of briar because it is um not gonna rip your heart out <laughs> unlike the ones that you recommended to me. yeah 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 a hundred percent which are also going to come up in conversation later oh good. Um, oh good and then my last um honorable mention is up in flames by eden finley and saxon james um which is a kind of a crossover between the uh, Puckboy universe and the Husband Hoax universe. And the like, there's a whole, they have huge shared universes. Yeah. And this is where they all kind of meet up a little bit. And I love it so much. Oh, they've been posting, uh, or uh, that's Saxon James, right? She's been posting tons of like quotes from that book and like, mm-hmm. whoop. Oh my god. Oh. It's so real good. And there's a very sexy firefighter in it. Yeah, so. there is. <laughs> yeah, there is. You guys got me to read more smut this year, I will say. Yes. I, after talking last year. Yeah, yeah we were I a think... little sad for you in how little smut you got in in 2022. <laughs> yeah, that was true. I still I didn't read a ton, but I read at least two or three with like explicitness. Good, and you had you recommended a couple you hadn't read oh, any so. i made you a list right. we made <laughs> you yes, a bingo card i did i did a couple they're on my um 
my backlist beauties oh, okay. list. Okay, I'm so excited to hear. Well, okay. TJ, what are your honorable mentions? Um, in no particular order. <laughs> uh, I'll just throw them out there real quick. Fake yeah. dates and mooncakes by Shirley. That's um, also my honorable mention. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it was, again, very cute. I like yeah. me some angst, so I don't think it made my top 10 just because I personally am into a little more angst. Um, but I really had a good time with that. Uh, Imogen, obviously, by Becky Abutali, I thought was a really nice exploration of a, quote, straight girl realizing she's bisexual and not just yeah. a really good ally. Um, I thought that was a really... Yeah, good. Um, you could tell it was very authentic from her experiences. Um, Jedi Battle Scars, which is a Star Wars book by Sam Maggs. Battle uh, Scars. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, surprisingly, it was very gay. Um, I It's a tie into the Jedi. Have you met something. Sam Maggs? I was going to say, It was an established <laughs> actually, character. Actually, it was one half. Actually, throwing out there, I have worked for Sam Mag. Oh, that's right. That's right. I nice. was her consultant yes, on you... the Wasp novel. But anyway. hell yeah! <laughs> so I met Sam through Chris. So yeah. Um, but I actually really enjoyed the book. I love the game that it ties into, and the reason why it's surprising, even though it's Sam, is uh, it's one half of a ship that's really popular, and it's a man and a woman ship. Uh, obviously you can be bisexual though and mm-hmm. she established and explored that the girl in the relationship is, she is I think we went with pansexual um, so she's having lots of gay sex throughout the entire book and people uh, were I like that. upset which was great that makes me happy yeah. Oh, yeah people were like thinking wow now that she got with this girl in a side book she'll never get with the guy i'm so angry and i was like <laughs> no obviously the main narrative is still she's gonna end up with the guy at some point yeah, okay and, but my favorite part of that particular conversation though is legitimately that anybody who's sitting there well now that she's been with women she's never going to be with men are like uh, oh honey uh, like yeah bisexuality has been around for a minute come on over here and let's have a chat because if you're really sitting there thinking that having sex with a woman means you'll never want to have sex with a man again you probably have some self revelations (laughs) coming maybe we should talk like i'm just there you know like no judgment this is a safe space but like let's have a conversation about that to be fair, her man is a uh, Cameron Monaghan from Shameless. So okay, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. Oh, right, right. <laughs> um, and then two more real quick. I have Influencer yeah. by Adam Caesar, which Ooh. he did Clown in a Cornfield, which is like one of my favorite horror series right now. Uh, but this is an Amazon original, and it's Ooh. an audio. It's a really good audio book. Um, and it's about a cult, Chris. So I do think you would love it. <gasps> Oh. real weird real oh. weird. it's like a social media influencer who's starting a cult and murdering people and he starts targeting this girl um and her friends when he moves to a new town and they're how do both... i not know about this yeah why amazing? Amazing. I, and the audio it's read by one of the boys from to all the boys i lo- no not loved oh the summer i turned pretty from oh, yeah. oh. Yes, nice. so it's kind of the creepier looking brother who's still kind of hot. <laughs> He's the creepy cult guy. Um, Amazing. Yeah, and him and the girl. I think they're both bisexual or at, bo- at least both uh, sleep with men and women, uh, which I was very pleased with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's awesome. Gwen and Art are not in love by Lex Proctor. Oh, yes. That was great. I don't, I don't know if that's on any of your top tens, but it almost made the cut for me because I really enjoyed it. 
but it just I didn't get didn't it read it. yet. I forgot so. about it because it's one of my physical books. Oops. It was very yeah. good. I like um I like a historic book that feels like modern mm-hmm. that I can still read it and not feel like there's a wall of history between yeah. me and the characters and it it felt like that to me. It's literally sitting on my um my stack of shame of books that I tried to read this week <laughs> because, because I was quite delulu about how many books I could read in a singular week. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was gonna be on there and probably would have made my top ten if I had. I that. think you'll love it. Yeah, I'm, I really I'm do. Sure, I mean, my my Merlin Arthur shipping heart is like ready. Um, <laughs> so uh, fake dates and mooncakes was on my list as well because I recommended that book to you. It's just yes. it's like just shy of making my top ten. The only reason it didn't is because that top ten is stacked this year. To mm-hmm. be totally honest, that book was so good. It's very sweet. It's very wholesome. It's like a warm hug of a book. Um, similarly, I need to pull my list because I can't do this from memory. Similarly, <laughs> a warm hug of a book is Meeting Millie by Claire Ashton. This was a sweet, like sapphic, um, Oxford, uh, like falling in love at college kind of a romance. And it was really cute. Um, it was, I, I don't know. There was, just, it was very sweet. It was kind of long. And I think that's probably why it got knocked out of my top 10. It just seemed to go on a bit, but it was mm-hmm. also like, luxuriating in their love so that was very fun um also the wicked bargain by cabe cold novea is again this book is basically perfect so it deserves a spot on my top 10 but there's already 10 books there so that's <laughs> the only reason the wicked right? bargain is a non-binary main character it is a pirate adventure it is so much fun on the high seas and if you get the audiobook it is narrated by vico ortiz and ah, from Our Flag Means Death, in case you didn't recognize that name. Oh, my God. It's so good. And then finally, Reborn by Seth Haddon. Uh, Seth Haddon. I don't know why I said that wrong. It's literally just Seth. Um, Seth Haddon, which is a high fantasy novel that is incredibly accessible. So it reads like a contemporary. Uh, I And I sent like the first line of it to TJ because I was cracking up so hard. <laughs> it's like this long description where it's like in the highlands of this place blah 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 he he realized he was no longer able to be a useful soothsayer for the king because all he could predict anymore was his love for a man (laughs) (laughs) and it's so funny and it's so cute and clever and it's uh a fantasy world in which queerness is just casually a part of everybody's life and it's homophobia is not a thing that developed in the society so it's really fun to read the only reason this did not crack my top 10 is because i didn't finish reading it so i (laughs) didn't quite make it halfway through but it deserves to be an honorable mention because i can already tell i'm going to be obsessed with it so <laughs> nice that sounds awesome so cracking into our actual top tens tj what is your number 10 your least favorite of the best most favorites of the year Ooh. well i will start by saying any young adult book that made my top 10 i'm really surprised with because this year i just i don't know if i mentioned this last year if i was at this point but like why is really hard for me to read mm-hmm. right now Think I'm just at the point in my life where I'm not connecting with those characters as easily, especially contemporary characters. Uh, but my number 10 is called They Hate Each Other by Amanda Woody. Uh, and it's two high school boys who they're like Bron- the only Excuse two. Me. One second. Yeah. Bronwyn, did yeah, you yeah. just giggle at Woody? 
I did not. I made a little mother face because it sounded adorable. But now oh, that you've said it, I'm oh going to giggle gosh. at it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I thought you were being ridiculous, but you were actually being sweet. Sorry. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> Back uh, to your okay. much more sweet yes. thing that you were saying. So it's like, the, I think they're the only two openly queer boys at their high school. And all of their friends are telling them oh you would be perfect together and they're like okay. no not just because we're the only two out guys in school um but then their friends are like no really like your personalities you would be perfect together and they get tired of everyone saying that to them and they absolutely hate each other because of you know all of this and they're like well you know what let's just fake date and you know after a month or two we'll break up and then everyone will be like okay wow well, it just didn't work and be over it but of course, there's uh-huh. a thin line between love and hate. And it was just very well done. And I think it was a debut. And I was just really impressed. It almost felt like a new adult book. And it does, near the end, almost get into some spiciness. It, like I think there's literally a scene of them sleeping together and it's on the page. But there's nothing super vulgar about it. And yeah, it was just very well written and explored some good um. Uh, I like, like I said, I like angst. So it explored some things like um, having a parent who isn't really in the picture and having to fend for yourself and your siblings. And yeah, so I just, I really enjoyed it. I would recommend it to everyone and both of you because I, I think you would really like it. That, that sounds, sounds awesome. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ron what is your 10? Oh, my 10 is How to Say I Do by Tal Bauer. Oh, I love Tal Bauer. Right? Me too. He's always, always good. Like, if I see his name on something, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm reading it, you know? Uh, and sometimes there's even enough angst for TJ. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. His last name wasn't a penis innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> Tal Bauer. More like Tal Bow to her. <laughs> I can still do it. It's fine. <laughs> I have every faith in you. <laughs> This is just um like a really cute story about um a couple of men who meet on the beach in Cancun and they're both kind of in a really rough spot. Um not like hitting rock bottom rough, but just in that place in their lives where things can change, you know, where sometimes you're gonna take a left at Albuquerque. <laughs> and so they kind of are able to support each other through these sort of momentous moments for each of them, Mm. but they come at it and they're able to support each other because they're from very, very different lived experiences. And so they start to obviously catch feelings and then they have to kind of figure out if a week on the beach is something that can translate into something that's strong enough to withstand these very different life experiences mm-hmm. um and it's just beautifully done like Tal Bauer always writes a beautiful story yeah. you know the characters are very engaging they're very personable their their lived experiences are so interesting to me because it's sort of like you have this like it's almost city mouse country mouse a little bit um but obviously not that simplistic it's like the country mouse has been sort of living his whole life for his family. And mm-hmm. now his family is, they're well supported, they're well nurtured, they're all of these things. But like his his brother who he had to look after when he, they were younger, he is 
a functioning adult thanks to him but doesn't need him in the same way and you know getting navigating that change in a relationship is a struggle um whereas the other character is all about the glitz and the glam and the city life and everything like that but his whole life falls apart when he's kind of left at the altar <laughs> I don't do uh, yeah right and he's a wedding planner <laughs> oh no so it's sort of like okay well no that wasn't just my heartbreaking that was my business that was my <laughs> whole life you just blew up oh dear god this is me in Cancun on my honeymoon without you you know <laughs> right so there's a lot sort of for meeting each other under very emotionally intense situation and then does that actually go anywhere or is this just a moment where they can support each other and then move on into their individual lives because sometimes there's a lot of value in that too yeah uh you got me i really want to read that one it's right? really good that's <laughs> so good oh my god my favorite good. ship is a ship that like maybe they don't end up, end up together but like they still impacted each other exactly a lot. that's uh, so depressing tj no but you know what, I, I love the angst I know. and i, I, I and you know i don't i'm more of a comfort than a hurt girl but they're, you know, people hit your life for a lot of different reasons. You know, they they can be in your life forever or they can be in your life for a minute and it doesn't always change the impact of it. You know, sometimes that person is just there for that uh -huh. minute because you needed them for that minute. No, I need my HEAs. Thank you very much. <laughs> We've all had a trip to Norway with the fling with a Spanish daddy, right? Right, I mean. Just me? Okay. I went to Iceland. <laughs> Yeah. No, maybe that's why I like that trope. I'm like, I oh, was, it reminds me of that time. I was the person impacting people's lives and then fleeing on them. But you absolutely love that too. Yeah, that's a good look for you. Actually, true and not intentional <laughs> at all. <No>. Anyway, it's <laughs> vanishing. Let's talk about your top ten. Let's your ten move number ten. Right. Speaking of asexuality, actually, a good segue. So my my number ten book is. Is Ren Martin Ruins It All by Amanda DeWitt. It's on the top of my TBR. <laughs> God, you've got to read it. Um, I literally physically shoved this book into Broadman's hands at uh, Flame. They really did. <laughs> because I love it. So I got an arc of this at LA. I got the last available arc, snatched it up and clung to it. Um, this is a book about a, a spectrum character, a demisexual character who is um, on the student council at their high school. And they are trying to plan, they, they want to make an impact at their school, but all their like student council wants to talk about is this dumbass dance that they don't care about. Uh, <laughs> they, the other person on the council is this guy that they absolutely hate. And uh, so Ren Martin is like forced to work with this guy and he, um, they end up coming up with this idea to use a dating app but it is a dating and or friendship and all kinds of different relationships app called buddy and it's like love is blind but at a high school level oh no and they, it sponsors their their dance so that app like takes over the school basically <laughs> and ren martin hates it as the like absolute asexual king that he is he's just like i hate this but his the guy that he hates on the student council is like that's why we picked it because you could have any kind of relationship even if it's like platonic you can do that and he's like no it's the thought that of uh, that counts that we're always forcing relationships on people and they have this pull back and forward 
But to get his reconnaissance, he decides he must go on the app to destroy it from within. Uh, and then uh. ends up being paired with this guy who's kind of interesting and they become friends and then maybe something more, which is oh. complicated because he is existentially against the whole idea. And he's also stuck with this guy he hates and it's complicated and messy and love is blindy and asexual and delightful and so so funny it also involves a lot of hugging chickens a, part of <laughs> a point that i literally cannot explain to you but is hilarious if you had told me when you handed me that book that there were hugging chickens i would have read it Bronwyn, by now they are on the cover i felt like i didn't need to tell you because he's hugging a chicken on the cover <laughs> Because I looked at the cover. Bronwyn. I flipped it over to read the back immediately. <laughs> Bronwyn. Bronwyn. We're audible learners I'm here. begging you to just this once judge a book by its cover. <laughs> <laughs> I damn well should have. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's your that homework. That sounds so good. It's that does so good. sound so good. I'm, I'm going to pick that up it. tonight. <laughs> Again, it would have been higher, but uh, literally my, my top 10 is stacked, y'all. Like, no. it it's so hard um nobody deserved that last arc more than you yeah it's true i've been like going hard for this book because i read this book way back and i've been going hard for this book every day since then i've screamed about it to everyone who will listen see it paid off and that's what they want that's what those are for so Mm -hmm. thank you tj what's your number nine oh so this is a book that i had a lot of problems with and was probably vocal about it you were um, i already know what this is i haven't even looked it's at your list. in the lives of puppets by tj clune okay. and he's one of my favorite authors i think he's one of the best writers around i was really excited for this book and there were parts of it that i loved and the parts of it that i loved, like i really loved which is why it's in my top 10 and i also just think he's a really great writer but um so anyway to give a little premise of what the book is about for anyone who hasn't read it or know anything about it it's a pinocchio retelling but it's sci-fi and i was like oh okay like i've read sci-fi retellings before like cinder by marissa meyer like that's my jam yeah Yeah, love those yeah they were great this one i like the first half i was like really into it sometimes the jokiness gets a little too jokiness for me like i compared it to like guardians of the galaxy where like sometimes the gags just keep going and i'm like i get it like yes you are you are this character and you have this one gag and that's your personality and i guess you are groot we know yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> um yeah there's a couple characters like that and like the first half of the book i loved that but then the second half i was kind of tired with that um but then once it really started getting into the Pinocchio aspects, I was like, okay, this is a little too close to Pinocchio for me mm-hmm. personally. So like, so again, there was just some stuff that didn't work for me, but then other stuff that I loved. And one of the things that I loved about it was that the main character uh, is also asexual um, and he's living in the wilderness with a bunch of robots and he discovers this um, other, I think it's an android, and he brings it back to, you know, quote, life, because he is good with robots, and there's end up being a, a connection between them, and yeah, like, that's the part of the book I loved, and just the hanging out with robots and stuff, and then once yeah. we started getting into, like, all right, the Pinocchio plot lines unfolding, I was like, oh, 
Um, but yeah, I love it. And there, there was a whole conversation of like, am I asexual just because I'm surrounded by robots? And it's like, no, that's yeah. not why. I'm also <laughs> just asexual. Like, I, so yeah. I, I really liked how I handled that subject. Yeah, I've read enough books of sci-fi to say that robots do not make you asexual because <laughs> right, no, they a, do not. Plenty of robot fuckers out there. Uh, to be to be fair, the robots he was surrounded by were like weird looking very mechanical but then as soon as the hot robot shows up you know he's like no i'm still asexual got it he's like i'm feeling something but i'm definitely still asexual (laughs) (laughs) there's some feelings there though that's cute that's really really funny so Um, that's my number nine i will say and i'll get into this later there is a number of asexual books on my list which is so wild and you're mentioning one that is not even on my list Uh, there was a fuck ton of ace rep this year which was so cool yeah (laughs) oh my god okay yeah bronwyn number nine okay number nine uh for me was affogato by em Lindsay. oh i love em Lindsay. right um so I love this book. I it was. I think I described it as a surprising gem. Not because I don't like E.M. Lindsay, because I think she's fabulous, like as an author. Yeah. But um, because I just when I picked it up and when I read the back and everything, I was just sort of expecting, you know, a romance. Mm-hmm. Just you know, I wasn't really expecting to get completely blown away. But this uh, is set in a deaf cafe, um, where the owner and all of the staff are deaf. And so you... I thought you said death. Like, Oh, killing. no. <laughs> I was like, wow, you really got me intrigued. That's hilarious. Not, not, not that it's not intriguing still. Right? But... The different different types of intrigue. Different, different, yeah, different vibe. <laughs> no, but later, I imagine Brownwin might talk about something similar. I mean... <laughs> I'm just trying to guess. I actually haven't looked at either one of your lists, so I don't know. But um, no, so it's really interesting because you have like, you know, uh, hearing customers who come in and they're offered the opportunity to just sort of point at what they want. Or oh. there's actually signs like you like written signs, but that show you how to use the ASL to try and order. So if you'd like to sort of interact with the deaf community in a way to on, on like with their language, you can try and learn it. You can. Mm. And so it's a safe place in the community for people in the deaf community. Yeah um it, it is so fascinating to have this story completely set in the deaf community so there are in, there are varying levels of um hearing loss and uh not like there are all sorts of terms that you have to kind of find out or figure out on your own like you're just not there's no glossary there's no nothing or whatever but like unless you're familiar with someone who's part of the deaf community you wouldn't necessarily know like coda which you know is a child of a deaf adult um stuff like that just but it's done in such a way that it still feels accessible mm-hmm. and then it's so fascinating to me how it's written where the asl is done as a separate language mm. and it is a separate language it has its own colloquialisms. It has, you know, like, and so to hear the phrases, and I say hear the phrases, and I can hear it myself. Like, I'm, <laughs> I can't stop saying yeah. it now. But like, it really put me in a place where I was kind of more aware of myself and my, um, you know, abilities and mm. my kind of taking that for granted in my in my day to day life, and just 
I shouldn't because it's not like I don't have people in my life who are part of the deaf community, but it has just been fascinating to me to see it in a written form. And I loved how it was presented and I found the characters really fascinating and I just, it really struck me as something that was um, a community that I hadn't seen well represented, but it was still, it was so beautiful. So the story was really good. The the characters were really good and the, but the setting was really what got me. Huh. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That. Like I'm already like, I want to read that. And then I'm thinking, oh yeah. And it's gay. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. It's also Definitely. gay. Definitely. It's gay. Cause if it's on these lists, it's gay. Yeah. Like you already <laughs> sold me on it. That's awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Well, my number nine is one both Bronwyn and I read uh, way back at the start of the year. So cast your brain back to like February, January. Oh, God. Okay. It was so long ago. Um, These Fleeting Shadows by Kate Alice Marshall. Yes. I fucking love these Fleeting Shadows. It is. So this one is YA. Um, I actually have two. I think two, uh, maybe three YA on my list this year, which is shocking. Um, yeah, I have three. Um, I know, because I'm right there with you, TJ. I haven't been reading much YA lately. But this one is YA, um, though it doesn't feel like YA. It just sort of happens to be YA. It is a gothic horror. Um, it is queer as hell. <laughs> and it is about... <laughs> this girl and um, she really doesn't know her extended family and she goes back to live with them because of an inheritance and there's creepy and weird things happening. It's one of those something wrong is happening here, but we can't quite place it. And it's very reality bending. And I can't say much about that, but what I can yep. say is that she starts to fall in love with the bog, witch, <laughs> and we as love you do as you <laughs> Who among us would not fall in love with the bog witch if given the opportunity? Um, it was great. It was very gay. She has a very fun cousin, bestie, that I love to pieces. Um, it was queer as hell. And it was uh, spooky and fun and mind-bendy. And yes. I, I feel like I can't say more about it. Just if you like gothic horror, if you kind of want something that's like ready or not or knives out. but mm. Yeah, it, it's. I definitely described it as creepy, beautiful, sapphic, ready or not meets knives out or like mexican gothic if you want a book comparison like those kind of things um but ya and gay this is where you want to go yeah it was a delight wow that's one i'm it's on my list to read very soon because it's it's one i'm donating to the schools and i haven't read it yet but like someone i work with did and loved it so i really need to read it it's good Mm -hmm. yeah i know you loved um ready or not in knives out so i think you would enjoy this definitely yeah well, TJ, hit us with your number eight. <laughs> yes. Uh, you said you had three YA books on your list. I also have three YA Ooh. books. Just saying. Twinsies. Twinsies. Uh, my number Though they won't eight... be the same ones. I'm telling you. Oh, right now. <laughs> yeah. No, so far, no. Um, is Big Gay Wedding by Byron Lane. Is that? Uh, That's not YA. No, it's not YA. <laughs> I'm just saying I do huh? have three YA books. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I should have segued better into that one. Uh, this is an adult book. That's for sure not YA. That no. was a little too steamy. <laughs> nope. This one is adult. That book uh, involves him describing fucking like a mud pot puddle in the ground at one point. That is not YA. 
To be honest, I do not remember how explicit it is. It because is. It, it's, it's been a while. Fucking um, a mud puddle in the ground. <laughs> so just the premise real quick. It's um, a homophobic mother who lives in the South and she has a gay son who went off and lived his life. And he comes home to visit occasionally uh, on the farm that, you know, the mom still takes care of. And the father has passed away. And the son comes home to visit, and surprise, he's engaged to his long-term boyfriend. And they're getting married, and they invite her to go, and, you know, things happen. And eventually, they end up having the wedding at the farm, and it's a whole big thing. Um, But the whole, you know, the reason why I loved this book so much was not for the gays. It was for the homophobic mother and her journey of... Uh, yeah, getting to the point where she loves her son unconditionally, it was just so beautiful. And I loved her as a character and those relationships. And yeah, she was the best part of that book. She's and hilarious. just the whole that is yes. hilarious. And it's funny. It's funny. The whole setting on the farm and the southernness of it, like it was just very well, well done. I read this one too, in case my reference to the mud puddle fucking was not obvious. Um, <laughs> is it on your top 10? It's not on my top okay. 10, but it, it's certainly, it's up there. It, it's not, um, I think I knew you were going to talk about it, so I didn't even include it as an honorable mention because I knew it was going to be talked about, but I did love it a lot. I will say, I think what one of the reasons I think you loved it and one of the things I loved about it is it, it has a very, like, if you love the show Shameless, that's the sensibility it has. Like, it mm. feels like Shameless. It's a very different setting, but the, like, tone, humor, it's shameless. Yeah, it's very funny. Some dark humor in there. Yeah. Bronwyn? Yeah, Bronwyn. Ah. What up? What's your well, number okay. Eight? My number eight. Now, this was a bit of a last minute change for me. I'm not going to lie Ooh, because okay. the number eight that I had turns out to have been a backless beauty. So. Whoops-a-daisy. <laughs> oh, whoops-a-daisy indeed. But I figured it out before we got to this point. Nice. And I got to add one of my faves back in. So I'm super excited about Huzzah. it. So we are going to talk about He Sees You When You're Sleeping by Sarah oh. W. Bauer. Oh, Is this Sarah. like a Santa ink book? And kind of. Yeah. Sarah Dobie Bauer. Just add some love. horror. Oh. <laughs> we love her. Sarah, who we got to talk to on our show. We love her so much. So this is like, it's incredible. Okay. So I just, it, I, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it without um, ruining it mm-hmm. because it's such an out there kind of story, but it is, it's, it's Christmas themed. There's Santa in it, um, but kind of like Santa is santa because he's and he like it's this very very weird idea of santa so santa you get to see some of his perspective he doesn't think of himself as santa he thinks of himself as chris um but he does he walks (laughs) the earth and he gives everybody presents that he only goes to the houses where people believe Hmm. and where where the, the children believe and he he brings them presents and so he's seen a lot and he only has awareness of the world on christmas he's just otherwise he's living in this like dark place where he he is not aware he doesn't so but then he 
Right. Uh, and then he, he uh, relatable TJ, content. TJ is only aware of the world during Pride Month. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Um, the most beautiful time of the year. Um, so, but then, you know, he, he encounters a child who is in a very dire circumstance. And so he brings the child a present. And, but the child's being horribly abused and it's just not a great situation. And so he gives the child sort of an additional present which is like um like a summoning charm and so basically it's like you have i'm going to give you this thing and if you're ever in a situation like this again where you need help you need an adult to come and and save you from whatever it is you break this and it will summon me and i will be here to protect you Hmm. and then the next time like Chris is kind of aware, um, you know, he goes through his his Christmas routines, he goes through his Christmas routines, whatever, he's just walking the world, giving presents. He feels the pull of this charm breaking and he goes to save the child, but the child's not a child anymore because you know that happens <laughs> when you go through multiple Christmases. And so the child's being like beat to death in his now apartment because he's an adult, he's a he's a social worker he's trying to prevent other children from having to go through what he went through as a kid and he's this lovely character and chris kind of is fascinated by him he doesn't really understand the pole but he's fascinated by him but the story gets darker than i was expecting because this is not a love story this is a story of obsession this is a story of santa the fucking stalker I kind of love that. And oh it is God. horrific. It gives a room so trigger warnings. I love you, Sarah. You're so wild. I so like, like messaged Sarah. I was about two-thirds of the way through this, and I was like, what are you doing to me? Do they bang? Oh, fuck yeah, they bang. Of course they bang. Okay. <laughs> I just needed to be sure. TJ's in. TJ's in. I mean, anyway, I'm, I love dark shit like that. So it's very, very, very dark. So trigger warnings, but yeah. hey, it's worth the I'm ride. That. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. It's worth okay. the ride. When you were, you were saying Merry so much Christmas about, to me, yeah. you were saying so much about the plot. I was like, surely she's telling us everything, and then I was like, I'm really no. not. No, no, you're not. You're not. I'm telling uh, you the setup. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Well, there is no smooth transition to what I'm about to tell you about. <laughs> This couldn't be. How do you different. follow Obsessive Santa? <laughs> I ha- you know what's funny is there is a book that I'm going to talk about that really could follow it, but it is not my next <laughs> book. And Bronwyn knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> but it's not eight. <laughs> Unfortunately. Oh, I love that though. <laughs> I, and we'll get to it. Yeah. But not, not yet. Um, number eight is a book that I have thought about all year and talked about all year and then forced other people to read and have probably screamed about to make you read Brownman, but you haven't yet. Um, so I'm going to scream at you again. In this yeah, format. I mean, that's fair. You were always right. I get there eventually. <laughs> that is Grounded for All Eternity by Darcy Marks. So this is the only middle grade. Oh, nope, that's not even true. I have another middle grade. This is one of two middle grade books that are on my <laughs> list this year um grounded for all eternity is what happens if you try to make good omens and uh the good place for middle grade age it is perfect and it's queer also for the record very explicitly queer i mean not explicitly like 
you know, uh, <laughs> on the page queer. <laughs> should say. Um, canonically. <laughs> canonically queer. Um, it is a, so the plot line, let me say the plot line and then I will say the thing that I've had so much trouble describing to people who haven't read it. But the plot line is basically the, the uh, dark guardian angels of hell have children. Uh, and their job is to the the dark guardian angels of hell's job is to make sure the souls don't get out of hell, basically. And their children's job is just to go to school and learn how to grow up and be dark guardian angels of hell. But they're on as you do summer break, um, so they are bored as kids are, and they decide they want to take a little trip and see what the human world looks like. But they accidentally let a soul out of hell, specifically a witch hunter from salem massachusetts oh no and they have to go try to get him back with so one of them is the is uh our main character and he gets help from a boy psychic that he ends up getting a bit of a crush on an adorable queer witch girl and uh they are wonderful and so much fun it is a cute little like friendship romp it is wild and interesting and then it becomes this really brilliant but like explained for eight to twelve year olds story about free will and morality and what is actually good and what is actually bad without being religious and it's so interesting like it's good place like it really is the good place kind of like this is how you could explain morality to an eight to 12 year old and I was like but also adults should read this and learn (laughs) I was sitting there like there's a there's an angel character that comes in at one point and they're very much the like religious idea of morality where it's like right and wrong and rigidity and these like demon children have to teach the angel about shades of gray and it is so interesting Mm -hmm. but explain for eight to 12 year olds and I was sitting there going like if I was an educator this would be in my for children I am an educator but not for children but if I was an educator (laughs) for children Uh I would make this like required reading because Mm -hmm. this is so the best explanation of these concepts I've ever seen and again, as someone with religious trauma, like this was popping off for me. <laughs> like it was so good. But like, um, oh, let's talk religious trauma for a second, because seriously, why are angels always the bad guy? Because angels are always the bad guy. Because yeah, oh. but this one, yeah, wasn't actually. And I think that was really interesting. The angel wasn't bad. The angel was super misguided and got a chance to learn. And I, I don't know. It was that's actually, awesome. Like, actually, I love that. It was again very good omens, very the good place. It was it was interesting. The the hell and heaven were both needing to learn that shades of gray exist. And it was very cool. Um, so I recommend it. There's a second book that's coming out. I think just came out actually, which I haven't had a chance to read. Um, but I fully recommend. I loved it. I've given it to all my nibblings and it's gay. Nice. So, you know, what else could we say? That's awesome. <laughs> I love uh, that. I'm going to need you both to save these lists so that oh, when I... I'm making my middle grade lists in June. Oh, we've got to exchange lists. The... I have them all written down. I know Brownman does. We've got to exchange all three of these lists. Okay, yeah, just please. So I can read all of them. Yeah. Same. <laughs> CJ, we're at lucky number seven. seven. Yeah. So my number seven is a YA book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, it's called Lose You to Find Me by Eric J. Brown. What a cool uh, title. Yeah. So this is a contemporary. It's a YA, which, you know, I just said I struggle with those. So the fact that I love this as much as I did, it really surprised me. 
Um, the premise is we're following a main character who's in his senior year of high school, and he works at a senior assisted living, like nursing home cafeteria. Um, so he works in the kitchen and, you know, takes the food out. He's a waiter. And the boy who starts working there with him ends up being the cute boy that he had a crush on at summer camp like eight years ago. And they were like best friends, but then he moved oh. away and vanished. Uh, so they're working together in the kitchen and they kind of become good friends again and they're getting to know each other. And then, of course, things happen where there's that chemistry. Uh, they both end up being queer. And uh, yes, yeah, so I don't want to spoil anything. There's some plot twists. Um, but the thing that I liked so much about it was that it explored the tropes in YA that annoy me, like miscommunication and not talking about things and being overly dramatic. It has all of that, but the way it resolves them and talks about them in the end is really mature. And so it kind of surprised me in that regard. And throughout the entire book, I was thinking, man, I really hope this happens because that's what I feel like I would want to happen and it did happen even though I didn't feel like that's what a usual YA book would do uh so I really liked it and just the side characters in the in the nursing home those like older elderly characters there's some like elderly wise gays uh that are like the elder gays are always the best (laughs) yes and like they're funny and so like it was just so good I I really really enjoyed it that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, my number seven is <laughs> I cheated. I'm not gonna lie to you. I straight <laughs> up cheated for this is because it, it more than one book. Okay. It's definitely more than one book. <laughs> I fucking but knew. It is an incredible series, and they were both from this year. Okay. I'll allow so, it. Yeah, I'll but, allow yeah, it. that's fair. That's fair. um so it's a a series called the prophet lake mysteries um Mm. by eli easton and rj scott our our people Mm. yes love them right so consistent like always so so good but i really really love these so the book one is solstice and book two is equinox Mm. and um there i mean i'm a sucker for whodunit absolutely a sucker for whodunit um but I do find that over the last couple of years, I've really started to struggle with uh, the mystery genre because a lot of the time, like almost all of the time, at least one of your characters is a cop. And I yeah. am struggling very much with copaganda. You know, like I I, I just can't get into it. I don't. No, I feel have, you. No, I don't exactly. have the same perspective anymore. You know, I just, I can't. Exactly. I can't afford no, to have that way. perspective anymore. So, um, but I love mysteries, you know, so. I keep trying and I keep, you know, I keep coming up against that. But there have been a couple this year that have really spoken to me. And I think it's because, yeah, they have cops in them, but those cops are more complex characters and you end up kind of going through their trauma responses and their explorations of what it has meant to them to be in this life and to have struggled with it. And that's a perspective I can understand and and enjoy reading yeah right instead of it being i'm a cop so i'm awesome it's uh i'm a cop and this has been horrifying yeah yeah okay all right now we're now we're talking okay 
<laughs> no, I got you. I got you. I, I right. feel the same exact way. I just rewatched the new Spider-Verse movie and there was a scene where like Gwen's talking to her cop dad and she's like, dad, I understand you wear that badge because if you don't, you know, someone else who shouldn't is going to pick it up. And I was like, oh, okay. Ooh, I kind of, that's a good I, like, perspective, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's putting that kind of different spin on it. Right. Um, anyway, so the, the main characters in this like Prophet Lake mysteries are, um, yeah, a cop who has, is coming home to this like very rural, very like, um, kind of hidden community where he grew up and then left to be a big city cop, but he's coming home to heal because he's deeply traumatized from his time as a big city cop and is really struggling with it. And so he's trying to reconnect with his family who he effectively abandoned um, because his dad was a super homophobic twat, like just twat and, and kicked him out. But he ended up for his own safety and his own mental health, having to leave home, but left his siblings there with his mm-hmm. dad, who was horrifying, you know? So like, there's a lot of complex family relationships in it, which are really interesting and kind of him healing his mental health and healing his relationship and um, trying to learn from his guilt and let go of some of it that isn't his to bear. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the other Uh, main character who is like the love interest but also like part of the investigatory process is actually a um like an animal behaviorist so he has a whole little pack of animals he um he's an indigenous character which i think is really interesting but he's also so there's like there's quite a bit of involvement of like the local indigenous community Uh, there's a a reservation not too far away um but he's not actually part of that indigenous community. So it's an interesting kind of like relationship because they definitely are like, yeah, white man. Right. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. But they don't have the same stories. They don't have the same language. They don't, you know, so there's still a little sense of otherness and all of this really interesting stuff, but he's also here to heal trauma. He was in a terrible relationship that was deeply abusive and with a like ghastly gatekeep girl boss of a man um (laughs) that he like upended his entire life to hide from um and so he's not in a place to be in a new relationship and you know so they're developing friendship and they're working together to communicate and the the first book is um the only witness to the murder is the victim's dog and (laughs) And obviously you can't talk to the dog, but you can understand some of the dog's behavior. And um, the dog is a, is a police dog. So like he has some training that could be helpful for finding the, the murderer, but he's deeply traumatized from losing his person. Aww. And it's, it's really That's, beautiful, oh actually. It's a really nice story. <laughs> that does sound good. It's okay. cozy, you know? You it's drug me in. You yeah. drug me in. Lots of trauma for you, TJ, but still cozy for you, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm used to Eli Easton being like, here are two uh, frat bros falling in love. This is t- no, <laughs> really not. <laughs> this is a new vibe for you, Easton. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, really cannot recommend that series enough. I'm like gagging for the next book. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, last year, so my number seven, last year, 
I had Silver Under Nightfall that I was obsessing over. Yeah, yeah. This year's in the position of Silver Under Nightfall. Um, unfortunately, the sequel did not come out this year, but it comes Hello. out next year. Yeah, I have the arc for it. Oh, fuck off! Do you? <laughs> They sent it to me because I reviewed the first one. Oh, uh, <laughs> but dying of jealousy. That's will probably be on next year's list. Yeah. But in that position in my heart for this year is the Court of the Undying season by A.M. Strickland, which I finished today. <laughs> <laughs> and I already tried to purchase and can't yet, so I'm working on it. <laughs> I mean, I think you just get the ebook because you're you're gonna need to be reading it like now, is what yeah. I'm gonna say. Okay, here, that's fair. Um, because let me let me tell you why. This book is unabashedly queer. I mean, A.M. Strickland is a queer queen. Everything she touches turns to rainbows. Like she's the best. I love her. Oh my god. I want um, somebody to write that about me. <laughs> I mean, that is true of you. That is true of you. Uh she also always includes ace rep. So we've got ace rep up to wazoo. There is not one, not two, but three ace specs vampires in this book wow love it (laughs) so let me tell you the plot line in a world where vampires run the society and humans are subjugated there is a uh like a reaping basically where humans are taken every year to be joined vampire society they go to basically a hogwarts type place almost a magical school where okay. they are trained i'm so sorry chris but for the listeners out there i wish i had gotten a screenshot of tj's face when chris said <laughs> a hogwarts for humans subjugated by vampires because they yam he is in he's in I, yeah he's in vampires and then reaping and then hogwarts i was like okay and it's gay yeah. there's so much gay uh so you you get trained and if you make it through and many people die and there's like multiple times where i heard lord farquaad in my head where it's like some of you will die um, <laughs> and that like like frequently people do not it's like mu- much less safe than hogwarts to be clear i guess it's more like divergent or hunger games in that way many of them don't make it through but or if the you, novak books what were those the oh deadly education yes yeah. If you make it through, you get to join one of four houses, um, and each house has a color. The colors are, you know, it's it's a full, th- it's a whole magical school deal, and I love. It was exquisite. It was so good. I was eating it up, but nice. um, it's all vamp, you know, it's all vampire nonsense. There's a whole lot of vampire shenanigans going on. Our main character is this girl that hates vampires, but. <laughs> She fully pulls a Katniss and volunteers as tribute to save her friend that she has a girl lesbian crush on. Um, a big old lesbian crush a on. A big old I lesbian mean, crush on. Happens to the best of us. So <laughs> let me let me tell you how queer this book is now. Like prepare yourself. So we we get a little found family action in this book. Our main character is a a spectrum, probably demisexual, uh, demi girl who is pan romantic she falls in love with a pansexual uh vampire boy um and there is a complete chaos gremlin loki variant gay vampire who's just flirt like actually he's pansexual too he i don't he hits on everybody i mean i think he's gay but he hits on everybody it's yeah. he's into guys though he just likes to cause chaos um, there is a sapphic lesbian vampire. There is a gender fluid, gender sexual vampire who loves girls when she's in her girl form and boys when he's in his boy form and has a partner in each form. So Polly <laughs> I as love well. that. I oh know. my God, that is hot. 
I know, I know. There is a, uh, there's a fully asexual vampire who just loves blood and vengeance, and I love her. Like she's uh, a queen, yes. goddamn queen. We love, we love her. She's like, all I want to do is kill. None of this vampire seduction bullshit. <laughs> um, and like one of the high vampires, like of the court, is just non-binary. We just love it. Like it, everybody's just gay as fuck. As soon as she, and like it's funny because the human world is like all repressed and homophobic. And as soon as our main character gets to the <laughs> okay, vampire, so this isn't fantasy. It's real reality is what you're saying and as soon as she gets to the <laughs> vampire world she's like oh my god everybody's fucking gay <laughs> it's so good and then she's just like that one's that one i thought was a girl is actually fluid and that one's not a guy and like what's going on and these men are kissing and what's happening and it's so great <laughs> i love it um and she gets to wear pants for the first time and discovers her gender it's the best it's so fucking gay and there's all these like vampire machinations and it's just it was delicious like i didn't want to stop reading it ever and i didn't i literally read it in a, in a day in 24 hours span of time even though it is a honker of a novel um it was glorious it was and as bronwyn knows it had a twist so surprising i shrieked my my poor sweet baby cat was <laughs> was sitting on my lap i shrieked so loudly this cat hit the ceiling like this poor thing <laughs> leapt off my lap and was like in another zip code by the time i found him like he was just like what the hell <laughs> do I, not want <laughs> I had, it took me so off guard that i was like what the fuck and i had at this point it was one of those that lulled you into a sense of security i was like no i know exactly what's happening this is a little predictable but i'm still enjoying it and then it like was like am i predictable or am i gonna swerve on you and i and then it swerved um i fucking loved it i i it was so good i am strickland i'm signing up for whatever you're putting down i understand am strickland puts asexuality in every book too so i'm like here for it so downloading in every app (laughs) i'm a big believer in all vampires being queer because they're them but do we think are they queer because they're vampires or are vampires just picking queer people to them? Yes. Oh, that's the answer so is yes. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> they're, they're like, uh, I can smell the gay in your blood. <laughs> right? This blood tastes exquisitely you can smell queer. the touch of a woman on you. I'm sorry, but gay people are tastier for one. Now, to be fair, these vampires can read minds. So maybe they're like walking through and they're like, oh, I, I sent a gay thought. That one. Mm. Yep. Reap them. <laughs> we want you or maybe maybe the straight people are the ones that get killed off as they can't survive in the ultimate queer society like maybe that's what it is like maybe that's yeah. secret the secret is that the the straight people just get murdered <laughs> yeah, I, I, can, yeah. I mean honestly i just i just i firmly believe that there are no straight people so you know how i feel if you live long enough but see that the thing is that it's not even if they live long enough it's literally the minute they enter the court so i don't think it like is the live long enough theory it's literally just like (laughs) i mean fair (laughs) they're not even turned yet and they're already like oh oh (laughs) they're turned on (laughs) they might not be turned but they're turned on And it is YA, but I will say it does get steamy, mm. which I didn't think they were allowed to do in YA books. But Maybe I'll... it's new adult. <laughs> right. It's, it's supposedly labeled YA. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> YA. Yeah. That's a whole conversation. Yeah. yeah. You, as you were saying, the one you read had some like sex in it as well. So I was like, oh. It oh. did. Yeah. It felt very new adult. 
even though they were in high school. And then there's like Sarah J. Moss, you know. I mean, writing. where they're just straight up fucking. Yeah, we yeah. could all pretend that high schoolers aren't having sex, or we could actually get with oh, the program. I oh, right. like to be clear, I know that high schoolers are having sex. I just know that most things rated YA are not usually involved True. in sex. Right. Like yeah. having it on the page explicitly. Mm-hmm. And like there's some finger banging going on in this book. So I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> well, those kids will learn something. You know, they, they will learn how to blood suck and finger bang. So <laughs> sounds like or fingers school. suck and <laughs> I've seen salt burn. I've seen salt burn. Oh, I've seen salt burn. <laughs> I know how to blood bang. <laughs> Delicious. As I like drink my blood colored wine. Oh or is, my god. Or is it or wine? Is it? <laughs> period blood anyway teach (laughs) number six number six so i have a sequel on my list Mm. it is bell in the fog by lev ac roses this is the sequel to lavender house which i think was very high up last year for me yes and me we both Mm -hmm. had it high on our list yeah that was a popular one in our crowd absolutely Um, this Robin, one, it's another mystery. Look, I have mostly read it. I have not finished okay. it because it's a about. physical book and you know how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> so get the audiobook, Bronwyn. I don't see the problem. No, no. Actually, you know what? I'm probably going to. Okay, <laughs> Today. Good. It we're was bull- very good. We're bullying Bronwyn into spending so much Do money it. on books right now. Anyway, look, go ahead. Like I don't have a service. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded it's... weirdly sexual. I don't know why. Anyway, go ahead. So it's the same guy, another mystery. There's two characters from the first book, or three that are the kind of like minor characters or supporting characters. Yes, hot hot bartender, girl who runs the bar, and then her girlfriend makes like a cameo. Okay, cool. Um, but they do talk about the characters from the first book, and there's kind of like this idea of like, oh, maybe one day he'll return there. Um, but this was a mystery of him trying to figure out. Gosh, can I remember? It's something to do with drag queens. Someone gets murdered, and then he's trying to figure out who got killed and why. And someone's missing that is a suspect, and he's trying to find this guy. It's some twink. And he's exploring all the different drag bars in the area because this twink was a drag queen. Uh, So it's the 50s, I believe, and it it really explores the drag culture of that time, which I thought was really interesting because I didn't know a ton about it then. Um, So the first book really educated me on, like, the Lavender homes, families Mm -hmm. of the, you know, gay people finding each other and basically being beards for each other back in the day. So I learned a lot about that in the first book, and this one I learned a lot about the drag culture. So it was... Yeah, it wasn't the same sort of who, I guess it was a whodunit, but it wasn't like a locked room mystery like the first one was. Mm -hmm. This one was more, you know, he's exploring the whole city. So it had a different vibe, but I really enjoyed it still. Yeah, Yeah, Steve loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I, someone asked me which one I liked better. I'm like, I guess the first one because I like that vibe more personally, but the second one was like, just yeah. as good i think awesome. i haven't had a chance to read this one yet but i knew what it was about because my mom read it because she is obsessed with these books so. <laughs> yes <laughs> they're so good yeah. well there's gonna be Steve, at least two more also obsessed yeah. 
Um, I did this for my book club book at work like a month ago and the author came and like <gasps> on sorry on zoom we did yeah. a zoom session where we I That's got to so interview cool. him and yeah he was so nice and very charming I, very attractive I wanted to come mm. so badly but I was literally teaching a class at the time and I was like I guess I can't cancel class to come to your thing <laughs> he was cool I mean if you if you do his book for any sort of thing like that I think he would be super open to well I mean then, he might even come on your show to be to be honest well he we, does show up on my list I'm not gonna lie I was gonna yeah. say then where he also shows up on my list so very interesting person person and very nice yeah <laughs> and we might have to have him on the show i think we probably should <laughs> you should Brandon, i feel like you'd be down number, mm, six 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 we're at six okay well this is one that i know you read chris because you complained about it and not that you didn't like it but that it had the ubiquitous abandonment issues tm tm so we are going to talk about can't say goodbye by eden finley oh. I love this book. <laughs> it's so good. I've read it so many times now. It's like my comfort place. Mm. I love it. It's, TJ, uh, take notes. You would fucking love this book. It's so good. There's lots of angst. It takes place over a couple of years. Like it's angsty to the point where Chris was like messaging me going, I can't take this. Oh my God. I, can't, I literally was it? like, I was <laughs> like, this is the page number I'm on. How much longer does this specific suffering go on? Because if it's the whole book, there is no way. <laughs> I'm like, it this was... is one of my favorite books, Chris. What are the chances? <laughs> it was the slowest burn I have ever read outside of a fanfic. I was dying. Okay. Narrator. This was a slow burn emotionally. It was not a slow burn oh, no. physically. They were fucking constantly. <laughs> like literally, from page one. <laughs> they literally meet and fuck immediately. Also, it's a trouble. I feel like we need to say right oh, away. Oh, yeah, it is. It's Polly. Yeah. And it's nice. a, I mean, there's some major DP action. Like it is, there's a train run. There is a, there's some, uh, yeah. let me see. What else? What There was some uh spit roasting mm -hmm. there was an eiffel tower all the <laughs> all the favorites you know all of the oh favorites. that's why i said tj you take note you would love this one yeah. um it's, the angst but it, was also delicious and the characters are so great like they're just it's one of those like i love the thruple as the answer to the sort of will they won't they of the kind of typical love triangle you know but you have to really develop all of the relationships, oh, yeah. right? Because it's not just like one big relationship. Like there is one big relationship, of course, but there are relationships between all of the different aspects of the relate of the group, right? So it's really interesting and sometimes very difficult to do well to establish that emotional connection between all three elements of a thruple. You know, best, like it's the best I've ever seen it done. Oh, a hundred percent the best I've ever seen it done. Like it's so good. The uh, there's another one that I read not that long ago that I recommended to you too, Chris. But I was just like, oh, this one might push some of your abandonment issue buttons even harder. So trigger warnings. But there, there's two that are that are really, really, really good. Like I love me some just plain old smut with a happy ending. So don't get oh, yeah. me wrong. But this happy is ending. so much. Ha -ha. <laughs> um but yeah this is it this is it's got a so much emotional catharsis that it's really um it's very beautiful it is. uh I also love who's the author of that I'm pulling a total blank 
This one, Eden Finley. Thank you. Eden. I love Eden Finley. Yeah. I also love that we've been reading Eden Finley since almost the start of our friendship at this mm-hmm. point. And this is the fun thing about having an author that's written romance for as long as Eden Finley has is that the characters in one of her first series are grown up now. And the one character in this thruple is the kid of the character in one of her first series. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Oh. It's it's so cool. It's hilarious. And I and and then has all the gay uncles, which are all oh. the other characters in all the other series. And I was like, oh my God. It's like a whole universe. It was that was my Avengers Endgame. <laughs> it was amazing. It was hilarious. I love that. And the brother is one of the characters in the shared universe. Yeah. Um, from a like a different set right yeah so, so it's it's just, it connects everything and you're just yeah. like oh 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 I know and if you've read enough of her books you're like I know that one I know that one and then like another character comes in you're like I know that one yeah <laughs> but and it was it's really funny because in real time there's been enough time since her first book for a whole child to have grown up so you're like oh yeah I guess he is an adult now right so is and I love that I love that for that right cute. so yeah it's very very cute so you know he we we've read through his whole life now he's old enough to be getting spit roasted <laughs> <laughs> and he does <laughs> amazing how they grow up so fast <laughs> is this um, one also in your top 10 Chris it's not. It was going to be an honorable mention. And then I was like, you don't need to honorably mention this. You know, Brownwin's going to talk about it. Thousand percent. I was so, curious. I feel like last year you guys had a lot of the same ones, like in so, different places. So hilariously, I, I feel like we're not gonna this year, which is I think we might have one shocking. or two crossover, but maybe just one. I'm sure sh- I'm shocked because we read a lot of the same books, but I also think we just read so many books this year. Yeah, that um, we might have less crossover than usual. Um yeah, the uh, the glut of books, like literally me getting it down to this top 10 out of 400 plus books is intense. <laughs> it's intense. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to narrow it down. I cried trying to make this list, PJ. It was that's, rough. That's my excuse as to why I don't read 400 books a year. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my neurologist why. told me not to, but I couldn't stop. It's just so good. <laughs> on, on that note um i didn't get enough blood sucking and fucking so i decided to add a whole second one as my next book on my list yeah my number six is the is an author that was also in my top 10 last year who will probably be in my top 10 next year and forever because they are one of my favorite authors of all time this is how to sell your blood and fall in love by Dean Bryan. Yes. Oh my God. I mean, if you if you know me, you know I love Dean Bryan. Uh, how to um, win a wager and how to bite your neighbor and win a wager is one of my favorite books. Yep. How to sell your blood and fall in love is just as good. And here's my third asexual rep of the night. <laughs> and Bronwyn, have you read this one yet? Not yet. I haven't. I didn't actually realize this one had come out yet. But a- the other one's rep, on my backlist. <laughs> asexual rep and autism rep. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Wow. So the plot line of this one: our main character Clem is a autistic vampire who is trying to figure out his sexual identity. I will not. I will say he's on the asexual spectrum, 
I will not reveal where because I think his journey is a part of the story. I don't usually think that orientation is a spoiler, but I think in this case, he's trying to figure it out and it's fun to go on the journey with him. Nice. But I will say it is very fun because vampires are inherently like very sexual in nature. Having an asexual vampire, it ties in with it. He is grossed out by the idea of biting somebody because it seems too sexual and blood tastes weird to him and he's like oh i fucking hate this and all i can think about is my skin on your skin when my mouth touches your neck and it's weird and i don't fucking like it and he's literally like starving because he's ace oh Oh. it's so it's so amazing and he's also autistic so he has a really hard time describing and explaining this to people but but i get the sensory issue though and yes 100 i bronwyn you will feel very seen he's also a a research scientist oh my god bronwyn (laughs) this book is coming for you where you live jesus christ the love interest in this book is a is a um adorable but uh like gay um like traumatized like traumatized vigilante who has decided to protect his little neighborhood of vampires he has 24 vampires that he has like taken under his protection they are his vampires and he will protect them no matter what oh um, and then Clementine happens upon his area and tries to bite him because he's gotten to the point where he's like literally starving and he just happens to bite the wrong person, which to <laughs> be fair is because this vigilante is the only one who's out at night. Yeah. Um, and it becomes a bit of a like, okay, let's make a deal. If you pay me a large sum of money, I'll let you come bite me whenever you want. And it goes wild from there. It's so cute. Uh, Clementine also is a Kirk Spock fan fiction writer. It's a huge part of the plot, believe it or not. <laughs> um, it is so funny. It is so cute. Nobody writes pining like Dean Barn. It they, they the mutual pining that constantly happens. Oh, I amount, love a good pine. The amount of desire and want and like idiots in love that happens and the like do i actually is coming for me i told you it's (laughs) literally your book like they want each other and don't get it to the degree that is so stupid but so good and it oh it is so spicy um it is an asexual novel but that does not mean there's no sex yeah uh common misconception look (laughs) It can get plenty kinky and on the way there, it is a delightful slow burn. You know, we ta- we've we talked before about what a slow burn actually is. A slow burn is when you, the reader, are burning up with the heat of it uh-huh. uh, and nobody does that like Dean Barn either. I was sitting there like, oh, oh my God, <laughs> they had, <laughs> had not even kissed yet. Like it is nice. spicy, spicy um i love it i fucking love it the audiobook is exquisite if you can get the audiobook get the audiobook okay. full recommend i love it oh my god we definitely need to share lists like immediately okay <laughs> this is a companion to the first one sequel it is a character okay. from the first one so tj read the first one you both read the first one yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah so in the first one spoiler alert spoiler alert if you haven't read the first one skip ahead 30 seconds um in the first one they break into the lab at the very end and they run into a vampire and they're like there's a vampire that works here that's clementine oh nice yeah 
the main characters of the first one are mentioned in this one so far i mean not so far but they don't come in is what i'm trying to say um so far the series haven't combined is what i'm trying to say there's more books coming i don't know if these characters will eventually meet um but they're mentioned though i do like a good sort of expanded universe where the option is there but it's not a requirement that's a very cool place they know similar they know people in common and characters interact with both of them but yeah like the queer community exactly (laughs) yeah i love that okay all right all right all right tj number five all right number Number five five. so (laughs) this is one i think bromwin you might have it on your list so i'll i'll talk about the plot very briefly but i'm gonna let you get into the more nitty-gritty of it because you've read it more recently than i have it's uh, Stars in Your Eyes by Casey Callender. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I recommended this to Bromwin because I liked it so much. This was one I picked up just because it was an author that I had read a couple of their YAs and liked it. And this was their first adult romance. And I, after talking to you guys last year, I was like, I really want to read some more adult romance. So this sounded like the perfect one for me to try out. And I really liked it. It's It's so good. uh, It's like two guys who are fake dating while making a movie in Hollywood. And it's like a book adaptation. So, you know, you know, it's going to be fake dating to real dating eventually. And just there's such good characters. Mm -hmm. I've already said I liked angst. So uh, there's a lot of angst and a lot of heavy. Warning would have been good, TJ. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lot of heavy themes um like every again every one of them apparently <laughs> yeah like it was very well handled yes. and satisfying by the end like it wasn't just there to be there um yeah i'll let Bronwyn talk about that when you get to this <laughs> but um yeah i just really really enjoyed it there's some smut yeah at least two or three scenes in my mm-hmm. memory and that was pretty pretty spicy yeah but i just love the characters yeah characters and getting to see how hollywood operates yeah um watching the other two kind of shows you how hollywood works a little bit and this kind of did that but in a more serious way and yeah the characters and their relationships were just what really made me love this book 100 percent. it was so good yeah well yeah it's higher up on my list so we'll get there Okay. Well, see, I read it and I was like, I don't read a lot of adult romance. So I couldn't tell if I only loved it as much as I did because I don't read these tropes as much. No. Or was it just that amazing? So it was I'm actually glad exceptional. Hear... Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad that you also feel that way. I literally read hundreds of romance novels and this was literally. one of the best I've ever read. So Okay, good. <laughs> oh, okay. I gotta bump it up my list that yeah, you recommended good. it to me too. I just didn't have time to read it. So I'm gonna have to read it's it in good. January. Be I prepared to it. be destroyed. <laughs> Which I know you texted and were like, it was so sad. I cried and I was thinking like was it sad? And I was thinking, and thinking you're like, a monster. I was like, I was like, yeah, I guess like those themes that explored with the parents got a little, a little, a TJ, little. Uh, you sad. know that you you live in angst, right? Like I do. We, we okay. live in like fluff, and <laughs> Chris and I are going to record another episode <laughs> when Chris has read this book. Oh no! And this episode is going to be t- called "Shaming TJ." <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I didn't even read it that long ago. It was like maybe a month, 
month and a half ago. Because I loved it. I ate it up. Dear TJ, Lord. The first book that TJ ever recommended to me was They Both Die at the End. And I feel like I don't need to explain <laughs> to you. I feel like I don't need to explain any further. Like, that's the end of yeah. the story, actually. That's the kind of shit I like. I was so mad. I mean, I feel like I shouldn't, I should have understood, but you know how you think, like, surely that's not what happens in the book. They wouldn't just tell you. Brahma, <laughs> <laughs> um, did you do the audiobook for Stars in Your Eyes? It wasn't it amazing. It's exceptional. It's one very of the best well produced. It, it legitimately one of the best audiobooks. Yeah. yeah. The social media parts of the book, I thought yeah. were really good yeah this and is a full the, cast and ooh. the production value is incredible and the the narrators were just stunning perfect really really good yeah i love that yeah all right i'll leave the rest to you okay <laughs> <laughs> all right oh, well your... before we get there uh we're gonna number go five? my number five is we're gonna go back to another author we've already talked about um who is lev ac rosen ooh. and yeah. we're gonna talk about emmett emmett because Emmett was everything I needed it to be and just a little bit funnier. Like, yes. <laughs> he's, so funny. he's so funny. He's so oh funny. Oh my God. He's so funny. He's just so, got such a quick turn of phrase. So Emmett is a queer contemporary retelling of Emma. Yes. Jane and Austen. Gotta love Jane Austen right off the bat. But like... <laughs> So I am an old, as we know, and I grew up with Clueless as one of my yes. formative movies, uh, which is also a then contemporary retelling of Emma, but without yes. the queer. So Emmett is like Emma, but it's like Clueless, but it's queer. Yes. So it is sassy. It is funny. It's got fashion. It's got everything. It is spectacular spectacular it's got friends to enemies to lovers it's amazing it like i was in tears and not for the same reason i was <laughs> case and calendar made me <laughs> cry i was howling reading this book i have i laughed so hard reading this book i had to put it down i was losing pages like i loved this book so much i read it in physical like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> This and... would have really been on my list. I haven't read it yet, which is so bad because I've read so much Lev Rosen this year, but not the one that came out this year. And I can't believe it. But he had a lot of books come out he this year. A lot of books There's a whole out. other gay book he wrote that I have not even read yet. Right? There was like so I many. can't even keep up. He's so Lion's prolific, Legacy but they're one. So yeah. good. They're so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Lion's Legacy. If you want something that's funny, that's a pick me up, that's queer and entertaining and YA and And Jane Austen, which Jane you Austen, it's with. perfection is Emmett. It's spectacular. Yeah. hundred so. percent. Well, um, my number five is my other middle grade novel and very tonally different from yours, number five. <laughs> um I loved this book. This book like lived like lives in my bones at this point it is dear mothman by robin go oh Ooh. i need to read this we met robin go at um ala and they're so cool oh, they drew a little mothman in our books and this book i was the first book i read from ala too i read it in the hotel like that weekend yeah. um <laughs> can <it> is, confirm <laughs> it is and i cried and brownman can confirm that as well yep immediately started crying it is a novel in verse about a young trans kid who 
leaves letters out to Mothman and the letters to Mothman explore his trans identity as he explores his becoming who he is and the death of his friend. And it is heartbreaking and gorgeous and coming of age and coming of gender and becoming who you are and believing in something and mothman believes in you too and it's so <laughs> oh. good it's cryptids <laughs> and queerness and i cried the whole way through yeah it is beautiful and it's not like it's not bridge to terabithia it's not like emotionally manipulative sorry fans of bridge of terabithia i just hate that book um (laughs) it's 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 like all of the tears are earned and it gets to a healing place by the end and it's just so exquisite um you need to read it period you just need to read it it's a short read like i like i said i read it in one really busy weekend so you can definitely read it yeah I've heard yeah. really good things about it. I yeah. I don't read a lot of middle grade, but when it's, I do, it's going to be That's my one. struggle, too. Is it, yeah, That's it's exactly so it. It's so short, though. Yeah. And again, it's in verse. So it's probably, Brown, when you especially would mm-hmm. read it in like two minutes. Like, it yeah. Would be, yeah. The audio. Um, oh, yeah. Times two it would, speed. It would be gorgeous. <laughs> Honestly, audio, I find, takes me longer than just reading. Oh, yeah. really? Brown like, by a lot. Fast. She's fast. <laughs> Honestly, Brahman, the minute you pick this up, it'll probably be done for you. It's so short. <laughs> yeah, it's fair exquisitely enough. short. Okay. Um, I, I did keep my copy of the book we got. Just yeah. I was going to donate it to my PFLAG Unity Slender Library, and I was like, I can't part with that drawing of the Mothman. Right? Like, it's, it's mine. It's so glorious. <laughs> it's really good. I loved it. It's, it's so good. It's so good. I knew the minute I read it, it was going to be on this list. I I've been thinking about this list all year since we did the last <laughs> one. And I was like, this book is not getting knocked off the list. And I was no. right. <laughs> so, TJ, number four. I forgot it was me. Um, <laughs> number four. So this is Different for Boys by Patrick Ness. Ooh. It's my final YA book on my list. Uh, Patrick Ness is one of my favorite authors. Um I loved his books when I was a teenager. I still really enjoy everything he does for the most part. He's very experimental. Uh, To my understanding, this was a novella that was published in an anthology at some point, but they've published it as a standalone story now. And different for boys, the title kind of means like, it's, it's a boy exploring his sexuality and he's gay. So it's kind of exploring how sex for gay boys is different i'm pretty sure that's what the title means that's how i interpreted it but the so the plot's very simple and that it's like a boy in high school and he's having a sexual affair with a quote straight friend Uh and yeah i want to say there's like a trio of boys that are friends but two of them are hooking up and one one is closeted one is possibly bi possibly just you know internalized homophobia um, but the, so what makes this book so amazing is that being experimental, whenever these kids talk about something vulgar or controversial, anything that could get it banned in a school, like a cuss word, for example, anything, talking about sex, saying the word dick, uh, the word is blacked out on the page. So as as you're reading, you know what they're talking about just because of the context. Mm-hmm but it's blacked out. So it's not literally on the page. 
And the other fun part is that the characters realize that this starts to happen. Oh my so, god. So yeah, they're like, whoa, what just happened? Let me try that again. And then you know, you know they're saying fuck repeatedly, but you can't see it. That's um, hilarious. Yeah. This like is another good one. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. So I loved I had never seen that done on, on, in a book before, much less in a way where I could comprehend what was being said, even though I wasn't reading it. Um, so it's weird that you're taking in the knowledge of what you're not reading. It's, it's so weird. And yeah. the fact that it's meta, I love that. Um, but this would be another that it gets pretty dark, if I'm remember- remembering correctly. It's some heavy themes. Um, he this is that. my shocked face, TJ. Yeah. <laughs> you know, internalized, does internalized that. homophobia can lead to some not fun things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but it's really short. And this edition of the book is illustrated. So there's some cool oh, pictures. And yeah, I fun. loved it. This was when I read super early in the year. And it just was really powerful. That's awesome. I love it. Oh my God. Okay. What's your number four? Oh, uh, so my number four actually has uh, some ace rep as well. <laughs> what? Oh There's too many. We got to stop now. I know. We're getting too powerful. <laughs> There's too many. Cut them off. <laughs> you you uh, had enough. Again, that does not mean it is without sex because I love me some spice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's Time to Shine by Rachel Reed. Ah, that is somewhere else in my somewhere. I bet. <laughs> that was vague. But yeah, and yet I'm still picking up what you're putting down. Somewhere oh. else in somewhere. I love time to shine. It's in that place I put that thing that time. It is in that place I put that thing that time. You'll see. Um, oh, I love this book. I love this book. So it's got everything that I want. Um, I love Rachel Reed. You Rachel too. Reed was my gateway author into my now favorite trope of all time or genre of all time I guess which is gay hockey romance because wow there's a lot of them but I did not see that coming nor did I see my addiction to it coming and then all of a sudden it was there and I was like oh this is my happy place (laughs) and Rachel Reed was my introduction to that because everything she writes is incredible Mm -hmm. um so this is the story of a minor league hockey player who gets called up into the NHL um, to support the Calgary team because of an injury. Uh, he's a goalie. Goalies are always weird, just FYI. Um, <laughs> they don't interact the same way with the other teammates. They're trained differently. They're, um, they just, if you're going to be a goalie, you have a different mindset. That's just kind of how it is um, you have to like getting hit with balls i mean you do you really have to like getting hit with balls <laughs> that is a, that all is a joke that is repeatedly made in this book <laughs> this very book um it's got a little bit of that sunshine grumpy but the grumpy isn't grumpy he's just awkward very it's, awkward it's a little sun- self-protective it's more like golden retriever um uh like old dog that's just like sitting there being confused by why it's being pulled on yes like <laughs> yes and it, it kind of gives off the like the age gap romance but with, they're not but they're not yeah it's, it's not it, you know what it is it is adhd friend and like the oc and friend autism friend yeah Aut- you're right it's autism friend uh it's wait is it it's aut- us yeah it's 100 percent us <laughs> <laughs> oops it's us Oh my God, it's hilarious. 
Um, and it's just, it's a lovely romance um, between these two men who are both hockey players. They end up on the same team, but one of them is only there for the length of the time the other teammate is injured. And so there's an expiration date on um, on their proximity. There's an expiration date on their being in the same city, having the same schedule, having any kind of ability to maintain a relationship and so that puts some natural barriers between them but there's also this barrier that occurs when your neurodivergences don't quite align or they could but you haven't calibrated them appropriately yet you know (laughs) yeah literally the one guy is trying so hard to be like i like you let's like let's be together let's be friends let's be whatever you want to be like i want to be near you and the other one's like why doesn't he like me (laughs) Not even why doesn't he like me? It's like, why would he like me? Yeah, he can't pause. Like, this is not ob- he's obviously doesn't like me because nice. why would he? That doesn't he's make any sense. Nice. So like he's literally in his face, like, please, I love you. And the other one's like, he's just being nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's aggressively hilarious. It is aggressively hilarious. Aww. It's really good. It. It's it's so they're so dumb. They mm-hmm. are so smooth brains, just smooth, not a yeah. wrinkle in that. Not brain. a single wrinkle. Um, but so that. charismatic, yeah. each in their own way. I love them. Yeah. I, the They're... one character at one point, like literally, there's a scene where he doesn't know that dragons aren't, were not real. He thinks they were extinct. And you're just like, oh, honey, like you are just. Literally, <laughs> all of his teammates are like, either <laughs> between the oh honey or the <laughs> and then his, sweet, his <laughs> oh. sweet beloved is just like bearded dragons are real you're not dumb <laughs> i was like it's the cutest scene it's so cute it's honestly it's just a really cute book so I yeah i love that one it's very feel good it's return to my roots it's hockey which always makes me happy and i'm sorry it just does it's amazing (laughs) technically this one's not in my top 10 but it is somewhere and that is my vague hint for (laughs) awesome how about you what's your number four oh my god what is my number four i already forgot uh it is oh my god yes okay my number four is the wicked unseen by Gigi griffiths I, speaking of books I yelled at you about a lot this year, both of you, actually. The Wicked Unseen is a cult book. Ah. Is this of, the spooky, good Halloween book? Uh, yes. So The Wicked Unseen, this is my last YA on the list as well. Um, it is about a girl. Like the, <laughs> This book was made for me. Like Somebody reached into my subconscious and was like, you. It is about a a lesbian girl who moves to a small rural town in Pennsylvania. (laughs) I know. uh, Longtime listeners will know I moved out of a small rural town in Pennsylvania because of this kind of stuff. But where there is a creepy, hyper-Christian cult um, that is like full satanic panic, believes that everything's from the devil... Um, and she, of course, is alternative with dyed hair, is a lesbian. She <laughs> immediately moves to town and befriends the gay kid who's also a person of color. Um, her dad studies the occult. So he has like a Ouija board and like tarot cards and all kinds of things. 
So immediately, and they're academics. So immediately they're like treated with suspicion uh, and they're atheists. So like they're everything that's terrifying, but she moves to town and she ends up with a little bitty crush on the preacher's daughter. And, and, um, it is about, but basically the plot is the preacher's daughter ends up going missing. And so it is a mystery. It is spooky. There's some weird, like stuff is pointing to satanic rituals, which is weird because that stuff's not supposed to be real and real Satanists don't do that. And this weird cults involved and everything is strange. And this girl decides that her and her gay bestie are just going to have to solve it themselves because everyone in this weird town is just going to point at her weird family. Um, And it's so good. It's so, it's clever. It's funny. It's creepy. It's horror. Uh, it's mystery it's gay as fuck and it is very a cab you know what you were talking about earlier about that feeling of like wanting to read a mystery but not wanting the pro police message this is a mystery that's explicitly like the kids are taught you cannot talk to the police and anytime they try to they realize they're like that hurt our case actually like we have to go in alone um it's great. <laughs> so, oh, and she happens to have a dog that is a former cadaver dog. So it's like, it's very fun. So yeah, it's crazy fun. It's got a lot of like, again, it's religious trauma themes. It's really interesting. Like at one point on Halloween, they go to a hell house, which if you don't know what it is, because you weren't religiously traumatized, like I was, that's where Christians set up a haunted house, but everything's just, each room is a sin that you can die from. And it's to scare you into believing into Jesus. Uh, and okay, I'm sorry, but I cannot let oh. that segue pass because I definitely, definitely did a Seven Deadly Sins themed surprise birthday party for Kristen. I don't think this is what you think that. It's not that. <laughs> sounds. That sounds I, I fun. Mean, mine sounds way more fun, but it was just the wild kind of like... They call that a hell house. I called that a good time. <laughs> yeah, like, no, this is more like if you walk into a room and then teenagers are miming somebody dying of an abortion. Like, ah. no, we uh... had signature shots. We figured she was already yeah. familiar with wrath. So we would no, introduce I... her to the other six. <laughs> I think you were, you're going more good omens. This is going more Dante's Inferno. But I like gotcha. your energy. Like, I like, I like where you're going with this. Like, maybe. <laughs> I, I feel like the church wouldn't put you responsible is what I'm saying. <laughs> it was great. If you love cults like I do, this is the book for you. And if I you hate it. rural PA like I do. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, TJ, we are in the final right here at the end. This is your number three. Number three. Okay. Uh, saw. <laughs> yeah, this one. This is one that I so Whenever I'm debating, all right, is this book gay? Would I count this as gay? I'm, if it has more than one main character, I'm like, okay, at least half of the main characters have to be queer. Okay. That's my role. That's my personal role. Okay. Um, this one <laughs> it is a fourth book in a series, mm. and it is The Fragile Threads of Power by V.E. Schwab Ooh. in the Darker Shades of Magic series. And Mia um, Schwab is queer, so that makes it yes, immediately queer. Exactly. So I was like, okay. And like queerness is not a big part of the book in terms of narrative or plot. Um, 
but it feels like so many of the characters probably are queer and at least two of them are two queer men who as of this book they are in like a long-term relationship they have a child together um yeah and then the one who the one of the prince is bisexual he's one half of this like otp he has a wife in this book because he's the prince he became the king and had to get married and you find out she's asexual and she's a badass scientist Uh, i loved her um and yeah i don't even know where to start with the plot you know this is book four it's a magical london and there's different magical london realities and you can go between them and yeah it just the main female character could possibly be on the non-binary spectrum that's kind of been a topic of debate um and then there's two new main characters who i feel like at least one of them was implied to be some sort of queer so there was enough queerness where i was like you know what oh, yeah that sounds really queer. this mm-hmm. counts and it but you know like it's not about that and i appreciate you know i appreciate a good coming out story and i appreciate a good fantasy where it's just there mm. yeah but it was excellent her writing is just poetic so good it's true we love to see it i need yeah. to read some vh Schwab. i've actually never read her which is <gasps> okay. i know start i don't this series i i need to i uh we'll get into my uh reading resolutions next episode but one of them is to read more series yeah i love it i have read a few <laughs> i'm not her surprised. invisible life of addy larue oh, is really oh good my god too. jk i've read that one i was gonna okay, say yeah. i was pretty sure that was the same person but i didn't yeah uh-huh. no i literally recommended one. that to you Bronwyn. yes I'm pretty sure that was on it's my, on my backlist beauties <laughs> i legit i forgot that was her never mind i've read that one so i have just kidding uh-huh. JK, yep. JK. i love that book that's one of my favorite books i can't believe it's I forgot so that good her. it's really good she's such a yeah that's she's an incredibly <laughs> incredibly lyrical author yes that was yeah. beautiful yeah uh, speaking of, Beautiful. my number three is Liar City by Allie Theron. This is on my list. I am so shocked Ooh. by that, truly. I know, right? <laughs> so I don't even have like notes about the plot for this book because I can don't just worry, go off I the do. cuff because <laughs> it is so good. I've listened to it multiple times, but I yeah. do have quotes because they're hilarious. It's a hilarious book. Uh, like, did you use empathy on me? No, I'm just not a dick. <laughs> and then in brackets, lie. <laughs> Everything about the delivery of this was so funny. The audiobook is fantastic. The um, actor, the voice actor is actually an yeah. award-winning voice actor. He's done a ton of work. He's really, really good. Um, he's this whole, I love this book. I love this world. I love this setup. I love the idea of a world where empathy is vilified as a sort of a hyper-realism version of this world where you get to kind of use this empathy skill set in these characters who have this uh, empathy, but it's like empathy, it's like uber empathy, right? It's like this something that it's sort of almost like a, a thing that they're afflicted with because it's to the nth degree there is no shade of gray here right <laughs> so it, it is a wonderful allegory for the way empathy and collaborative thinking and collaborative planning has been kind of vilified in North American society and social media and on the internet mm-hmm. um, so I love this as an exploration of that and if you take it 
too far. And if you go along this path without coming back, this is where you'll end up. And it is kind of a horrific place. It's amazing, though. Like, the characters in it are so great. And I love the world building. I love how, because I know we've talked about this before, where I get knocked out of stories when the details aren't there. And I don't mean it in the case of, like, if you don't have enough detail, because I think (laughs) the devil's in the details if you don't get them right, you know? But in the... You can set up a world and it doesn't have to follow the world's rules. It doesn't have to follow our world's rules. But when you're world building and you do establish a rule, you have to follow it. It has to be internally consistent from the beginning to the end of the novel or the story. uh, Without spoiling anything. We talked about this offline when we were talking about Saltburn. Yes. Toronto and I were saying some people are criticizing Saltburn is not realistic, which made us laugh. Because it's not supposed to be realistic. It's hyper-realism, nobody, FYI. Nobody, <laughs> thought it, nobody meant for it to be realistic, right. but it is internally consistent. It's like which, satirical. Like, exactly. It's it's queer and it's Britpop silliness. Like, and the don't whole think too point hard about it. of stories like this is a, to take something and amp it up beyond its natural point. To turn it to 11. To turn it will. to 11, as you will. To highlight the ridiculousness and the the inherent flaws right and so something shouldn't be flawless when you're using hyperrealism as a tr- as a technique it should be flawed you're you're amping everything up to explore those flaws that's the beauty of it as a as a vehicle for storytelling Absolutely. right in whatever medium you're doing that and i found it very effective <laughs> in both instances um but yeah i loved liar city i just i find it so interesting i especially the way the the reality interacts with the people so you have the empaths and then you have the people who are around the empaths and how that kind of cycles out into the world and i love that so much i think it's really really interesting and it's very well handled i have so many thoughts Um, i bet but I won't say them now. I will say them when we get to where it is on my list. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say, when Chris told me that someone said Saltburn wasn't realistic, my first reaction was, well, I guess his dick must have just been too big. <laughs> <laughs> they, were like, they looked at that and they're like, no way, that's not a prosthetic. Right? No Which way, it that's wasn't. real. Yeah. Surprise, it's real. <laughs> we got to do an episode on Saltburn, actually. We just, we got to do yeah. a Saltburn episode. That's going to happen, listeners. Prepare yourselves because Brown and I have a lot of thoughts. Yeah, definitely a lot, a lot of thoughts. Yes. Yes, so... starring Jacob Elordi. <laughs> Imagine. Aww. I wouldn't be able to talk to him. I'd just be like, I would just be like, so that scene though. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, can't get distracted. So my number three. Okay. This is a total shift. Whew. From Jacob Elordi's come uh, to here. Uh, <laughs> so total shift. Uh, my number three was Don't Forget the Girl by Rebecca McKenna. This Ooh. book wrecked me. Wrecked me. Um, so this book I read as part of my book club. So what I 
uh, as many people know, did not get a degree out of grad school, but I did get a book club. Yay! Uh, <laughs> so my my people In that I jokingly end, worth call more. <laughs> more, but I jokingly call my murder squad because we used to watch Prodigal Son together every week. Now we <laughs> we meet over Zoom once a month and read murder books, so we're still murder squatting it up. Love it. Um. So we read. Don't forget the girl. This book I think about all the time. The premise of it is these um three girls were best friends in college and then one of them becomes one of the victims one of the lesser known victims of one of the most infamous serial killers and the story takes place after this when the two other girls are now grown up in their 40s uh or they're in their 30s i think like in their late 30s and they're trying to figure out their lives and their lives are a mess and they've never quite moved past this. Um, and the world has because she's the lesser known victim because he went on to do a string of murders at a sorority house. And that's what he's known for. And she was the victim before that. So she is the girl that was forgot. Um, one of the characters is queer and was secretly dating the girl and nobody knew. And because the girl was in the closet when she was killed, this character has taken that secret with her. Like, she's never come out because she feels trapped in that secret now. So even though she herself never wanted to be in the closet, she feels like she can't come out because that girl never got the chance to. Um, The other friend feels like she's to blame for what happened because they got in a fight beforehand. And they're both, like, trapped in this time. The story picks up when the serial killer is about to be put to death and he has never confessed to the murder of their friend. So they want to finally like get the answers and prove that once and for all he did it. And as you're reading the story, you are getting multiple timelines. You're getting multiple perspectives, both of the girls and you're getting multiple timelines as they're remembering. And you're also getting the girl who died's time like POV from when she was alive. and it's weaving together you don't know who the serial killer was in their life so even though they know now in the present you don't know who it is and so you're meeting all these characters in their life and you're like is it it him is it that guy and it's showing like slowly all of these like creepy and weird things that women go through day to day and you kind of like slowly realize any one of these guys could be him because any one of these guys has a million red flags and that's just what being a girl is yeah really so there's like a creepy preacher and a like a teacher that's really predatory there's a husband that's like weird there's like there's all of these different characters that they meet and they're all people you've met if you're a girl you know what i mean or a femme presenting person and you're like they could all have been the killer and it's so interesting as you're trying to unweave it like who was it and why did it happen and will they get answers and what happened and like how will they overcome it and it's so powerful and it's so good it's a mystery but it's also not really because it's not really about being a mystery but it's also about true crime because there's a true crime podcast um (laughs) mine's right here too he's meow I don't know. Sorry, I have been consistently attacked by my oh. kitten for this mine, entire book I don't review. Know, I don't know what happened, but mine literally just attacked me at the same time. I don't know if they hurt each other somehow, <laughs> but he has been so quiet and he just attacked me too. 
our cats are attacking uh <laughs> but um it's also about true crime and the way that like some true crime like podcasts prey on victims and um and it's really interesting and it goes into that as well so it's about a million things and i just loved it like i i could talk about it forever but i'm going to make myself stop (laughs) hi loki (laughs) kitty what a crisp book i know it's such a crisp sounds made for you feminism serial killers like yeah (laughs) that sounds really good it's really good it's really good Oh, I guess it's my turn, huh? It is. You're number two. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, Cassandra Clare yeah. um, came out with her first adult novel. Ooh. It is called Sword Catcher, and it is my number two book. Uh, this is the book I finished last night. <laughs> nice. And I've really enjoyed it. So, the part I find funny is that her last like three or four shadow hunters books which i'm a huge fan of um i didn't love and the irony here is like the last trilogy she did were probably the gayest book she's ever done it was like a huge cast of characters and three-fourths of them were probably queer and there was all sorts of different representation but for whatever reason i just couldn't get into it mm-hmm. but this adult book that does have queer representation and it's very casual. Um, I loved this way more. And so, you know, both types of representation equally valid, but this one that was a little less in your face about it. I enjoyed a lot more, which for me, if you know me, that's not how I roll usually. No, Um, I will say I, if I may, I think writing, writing in this is a way better. It's really good. Yeah. And it's her best writing that I've ever read. And, like, not to say, like, her new YA books are well-written, but they're YA. And that's just to say, like, the tropes they're exploring are tropes that I'm getting a little tired of, personally. So this one, actually, surprisingly, has very little romance in it. Um, But the brief plot is that we're following this high fantasy world, and there's a prince, and he's he has this sword catcher who is basically like his best friend uh coincidentally is his best friend after becoming his sword catcher and a sword catcher is someone who looks like you and can magically look like you and they will take your place if ever there's a situation that could be dangerous to you as the prince your sword catcher will step in Uh, and they're, they're also like your bodyguard basically but you know, he can step in and be his body double, basically, and fill in for him when needed if they think he's in danger. So we're following the sword catcher. We're following the prince. They're like, sadly, they're like brothers. <laughs> There's not a romance between them. I wanted it so them. badly to be a ship, and it I know. so sad they weren't. Yeah. Um, and then there's a girl named Lynn who she is in... It's like a city outside of the main castle city and they're kind of segregated and they're they're not allowed to come into the main city because they have magic. Their culture is based around magic. Um, yeah. And it's about this girl coming into the castle to heal them and they become friends, I guess. <laughs> um, it's just it's really complicated. I'm not really big into high fantasies with a lot of world building, but I feel like this was that. And it really worked for me. A lot of com- people are saying it's really slow and hard to get through. 
Um, and I do think it's because there's so much world building, mm-hmm. but I loved it. I felt it very, um, it just captured me. It drew me in. I liked the characters. Again, I expected more romance in it just because she's her and she loves romance. Uh, and I do think there, like there is romance in it, but it's not the main focus and they're very slow burn. Like by the end of the book, there's maybe two main couples and neither of them have like gotten together or had any sort of really intense makeout scene, which is like what she's known for doing in her mm. books. Blink if any of so. them are gay. Oh yes. Uh okay. so um Kel, who is the main sword okay. catcher character, he bisexual, pansexual, okay. Okay. he makes he kisses men and women. That's in the what book. I th- okay. I knew he was. I just wanted you to say it. To yes. The yes, yes. Uh-huh. And then the the prince um is also Oh, you know, by pan. I didn't know that. Yeah, because they talk Kel about was. his marriage options, and they they look at princes and princesses, and he Aww, considers all of them. And he they talk about you know him being open to both. Um. So yeah, they're both. You know, it's just very casual. And uh, there was something else I was gonna say, but I totally forgot. Yeah. yeah. I am 30% of the way done. I realized I wasn't going to finish this one this week. And so I decided to read three shorter books at the time I could read this one <laughs> it's a long, long book one. Uh, instead. So I didn't. But uh, it's going to be my January read. I fully think it would have made my top 10 if I did read it, though, because I really lo- I love I love Shadowhunters, love Cass Clare. Um, but yeah. I will say, I really do. I mean, I have not read her most recent Shadowhunters because of listeners of the show uh-huh. though i am still uh halfway through the shadow hunter series if uh you're reading chronologically i'm only at um uh i just finished the simon book what is that one called tj oh the shadow hunter academy so i don't know if that's why but i think her writing in this book is way better than uh-huh. those ones and i don't know if that's just because those are so much older but I thought yeah. her writing was really good in this book. I yeah, really I do. I think prose wise, I think this is her at her best. I'm, I think I'm, so. I will say I am completely shocked that Cass Clare, fan fiction smut writer Cass Clare, wrote an adult novel and did not use this as her time to let people fuck. I am shocked. <gasps> I know. And like they do go to like, um, what would you call it? Poundtown? yeah they they have like the bars where there's like sex workers and you can pay them they go there and they there's a lot of sex happening but not a lot of focus on it unfortunately bronwyn they didn't go to pound town that's what i'm saying i think book two will have pound town i am surprised i mean there's the minute sarah j moss wrote crescent city or whatever her uh, first adult one was she was like everybody's fucking so yeah, i'm mm-hmm. i just expected i was like cast claire's first adult novel okay, i know right we're about no. to get the fucking there's a lot of lusting and like talking about people's bodies like especially the women in the book but um it yeah there's not a lot of fucking there's no That's fucking shocking. on page shocking. to my memory yeah there's and a bef- couple kisses but before we get uh, tweets uh, twitter's not a thing anymore you get skeets on blue sky i know technically blue scroll had fucking in it but let's be honest she didn't write that one she was just part of writing it <laughs> anyway uh- <laughs> oh my thing i was gonna say uh like all of cas claire's um good books there is child murder <laughs> yes once she kills a child in the book i'm but like is there all incest? right <laughs> 
Um, yeah, that was a weird flex. <laughs> no. Good. Okay, that's shocking. I don't think so. That's shocking. <laughs> not yet. No, I, I not really enjoyed yet it. There isn't. It, <laughs> I'd say for right fans for, of Lee Bardugo, it, it gave me a big Six of Crows world Ooh. vibes. Ooh. And, that's a good. It's um, a lot of like seedy under underbelly crime going on that we're starting to explore and it it honestly felt like the first half of a duology so i don't know if it is a duology or a trilogy or what but um so by the end if you the people that are saying it's slow i'm like i can see where they're coming from because there was a lot of build-up and then it just kind of ends there's no sort of like Mm. big resolution so Mm. it does kind of feel like part one of two to me i mean i think for somebody who's been writing a series for as long as she has it makes sense that she's kind of having to uh, taking time to start a new world that probably makes yeah sense. yeah so anyway i really enjoyed it oh i'm sorry one more thing people if you notice the rating is not as high as it should be on goodreads Uh-oh. or elsewhere people are like one starring it because they're accusing her of plagiarism which again whole other conversation about oh, no. cast claire and plagiarism Uh-oh. but they're accusing this book of plagiarism against my number three pick, which is the V.E. Schwab, Darker Shade of Magic. Stop. But, it's oh not my. Anthem, though, is it? No. Like, it's a fantasy book, and the main characters are both named Kel, and they both have brothers, and they're both orphans. It so, came like, out the same year, so, like... Well, they're talking, also like, a the, million fantasy novels. Right. The first book came out, though, like, ten oh, years ago. That's stupid, um, So people are accusing her of plagiarism and the author of darker shade of magic is like no it's not plagiarism like it it's a fantasy book and the characters have the same name it's like rick riordan created the magnus chase series and named him magnus chase because of the magnus bane character yeah. in her books that he loved like that's that a known thing make, yeah that doesn't yeah. make it plagiarism right. and just because he's pansexual and named magnus in a fantasy book doesn't mean he plagiarized cassandra no. claire so like, do people know it, what plagiarism means yeah they exactly. should let's watch the three hour and this, i'm video. sure the people did not actually read the book so no, again I'm, I'm just saying you're wrong if you think yeah. that i think you're wrong and maybe she is a plagiarist but not this time <laughs> no she plagiarized harry potter from her fan fiction and made shadow hunters and yeah. that's okay oh, right. because jk rowling is a fucking turf steal her stuff <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot to that combo eat, eat the rich anyway uh no i actually don't think by the way i don't think plagiarism fan fiction is plagiarism so no. whatever no and the it's thing not. with her is she was plagiarizing people in her fan fiction straight up but that was years that was ago. a long time ago and i'm not gonna get into and it she wasn't getting paid for i don't know if it's right paid for the fan fiction like that's different right. i'm sure it's not still happening probably exactly oh yeah. no i'm sure somebody would already caught her if that was actually still happening so right if it was happening there's what's that youtube people... guy <laughs> right like... like i said watch that no, no. three hour the one who video. did right. the three hour video oh, h bomber guy would be H-bomber all over guy. it that's the one yeah and like people are calling her out on this and nothing is happening so obviously it's not a real issue right right oh my god are you lifting whole passages from the other book 
no, your editor would have caught that. Yes. Okay. Not right. plagiarism. <laughs> so anyway, that is all I will say about Swordcatcher, but I, I really liked it. No, I, awesome. I love it. You're bringing the book drama. That's what we, that's what we call you for. Our <laughs> that's course what we're here for. Good. <laughs> Bradman, what is your number two? Well, my number two will be familiar to our listeners because it's Stars in Your Eyes by oh, Casey wow. Callender. <laughs> I feel honored that a book I recommended you got so high up on your list. It's so good. It's so good. It's brilliantly written. Like the prose of it is brilliant. Like the the craft of writing it is brilliant. Um, the audiobook, holy hell. I it is exceedingly rare to get that level of production in an audiobook. That is incredible. That was really, really good. Um this is a fabulous, fabulous story. Like TJ touched on it obviously when when he was talking about it, but um, you know, you have your your fake dating actors in Hollywood, but it touches on things like um, colorism and and um, homophobia and bigotry in general in Hollywood and how Hollywood presents itself as one thing and then is a completely other thing. <laughs> um, and then you get into the real dark underbelly of Hollywood and what it does to people and how it wrecks people and like this book is incredible in a lot of ways is it like it is to a t one of the best books i've ever read in terms of just the way it's crafted the story is also incredible and absolutely worth being there but the craft of it is remarkable you know it's like going to a movie where you really enjoy the story and that's all fabulous but you're so entranced by the sound editing <laughs> i love that right i like i just, just want to say one of my favorite parts of the book and i'm sure it's one of yours bronwyn is that they so people are like shipping these two actors and in, in real mm-hmm. life because they're yeah. dating and they're a big couple and there's there's a portions of fan pic a fan fiction from AO3 throughout the book that people oh are God. writing about them. Oh, yeah, it's hilarious. It's so good. And it's really well presented. And it's just there are all these different like parts of the story that are written differently. So that you have your overall narrative that's written as a narrative. And then you have excerpts of a book that was written by one of the characters in the narrative. Uh, then you have excerpts of the AO3 that story that's written about the characters in the narrative. Then you have um, excerpts from social media from all of these different people, like randos on the internet, about the characters in the narrative and and the narrative itself. And all of the whole narrative is about a movie being made that's based on a book like it's just it's so meta it's bananas <laughs> but it, it's so interesting because it's definitely taking an opportunity to really look at some of um the kind of social commentary possible in this kind of setting right so um in the narrative we have the movie that these characters are making and then there's a competitive queer romance being released in the same in the same setting like in the same like you know summer blockbuster or whatever um but their queer story romance is got two black leads Mm. and 
the other story is two white leads. So oh. the marketing involved and all of the sort of shenanigans happening behind the scenes are to make sure that the focus stays on this queer movie because it's got these black leads and that that's 100% going to mean that it's not going to do as well. Mm. And it's, they're like the way people are shipping these actual people together and the way you get, so you get to watch the internet react to everything that's happening in the narrative. And you get to see wow. that toxicity in kind of real time, quote unquote, because obviously this is a fictional narrative, but it's so representative of all of that shit you see online. You know, somebody makes a single solitary mistake and everybody cancels them immediately. And I don't honestly mean that I think that cancel culture is a thing because I don't. That's a whole other conversation we're not going to get yeah. into. But I do see this happen all the time where immediately everybody hates that person. Everybody's just like, bah, this is the worst thing that ever. You don't know anything about them. You don't like this is all production value. Okay. We all right. know this. <laughs> you know, if there's something happening in Hollywood, it probably means that 65 other people planned it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Somebody, I, I wish I could credit who this was, um, total blank, pointed out the fact that our brains have not adapted to handle the way the internet is. So yeah. even if you get a hundred hate comments as an individual person, that's a minuscule part of the internet, but it yes. is a devastating amount of people to hate an individual person. It is. Yeah. And it's very, like, and we've talked about this, you and I just offline, but like we are not well equipped to understand that things that happen to us are not personal mm -hmm. to the oh, other people. No. Yeah. Right? Like it takes a lot of effort to get to a place in your world where you can understand that you aren't the center of everybody else's world. No. Yeah. You aren't first and foremost in their minds. You're not the one they're thinking about. You've been obsessing about this thing constantly for the last 37 and a half hours. And the person that you're obsessing about hasn't given it a single thought. And it doesn't yeah. make you less important. Yeah. It doesn't make you less critical to their existence even or anything like that. It just means that they're a human being and they were focused on something else. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we all are. It's a thing. Like the best lesson in my life I've ever learned a thousand percent is that it's not about me. On the very slim chance it is, it is absolutely the responsibility of the other adult involved to communicate that to me. Yeah. And to think about that as a like famous person a movie yeah. in this case, like how horrible that must be. So and how and, did you and... feel about the smut? Okay. <laughs> smut level is actually low compared to what I normally uh -huh. read. I mean, but it to is... be fair, what we normally read is like deeply smutty. Uh I Robin love and I are swimming in the smut water. I love right. it. I love some good smut. But this smut is excellent and it's beautifully handled. There's a lot of conversation around consent, which is, oh, Ooh, chef's we kiss. That. We love a um, negotiation. There we was some it. sub dom going on. Oh, and just it wasn't, it wasn't was... the characters that I thought would be in right? those roles. I love so when that, that was, happens. Yeah, I was like, oh. Yeah, there, I just, there was... The the thing that stood out to me for this book is not the spice. The spice level was sort of like a 3.5 out of 5 for me. Like it was, it's mm -hmm. good. It's there. It's well done. 
Yeah. But it's not I like a the spicy... build up to it. And exactly. then I'm like, all right. It's a satisfied. nice serviceable meat and potato spice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that. But the thing that makes it stand out is the way it handles trauma. Because yes. CJ just throws out this book recommendation like this is totally up your alley you guys will really like this this is great it's a lovely romance novel so i'm like yeah all right he's like oh the audiobook's great all right okay i'll download this i love tj he's called he knows his books this is great i'm gonna oh my god trauma yeah yeah no see that's like i yeah i don't think about that where i'm like oh what i read isn't what everyone reads and is used to so this is my number two book this is an incredible book this is beautifully crafted the characters are impeccable the storyline is oh my god so beautiful and completely worth worth going through it like the sarah yeah like the my my the oh my god santa book by sarah it's worth it in the end so get there but trigger fucking warnings, TJ. Holy shit. Let's talk about boundaries, okay? <laughs> For their listeners, like essay. Um... Yes. Deep, 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 deep sexual assault trauma, like childhood sexual assault. Okay. Contemporary sexual assault. Just PTSD, complex PTSD causing like self protection as harm to themselves mm-hmm. self-harm talk about self-harm talk about harm to others um physical assault uh okay <laughs> pretty much yeah. every kind of assault you can put out there there's in that book uh-huh. <laughs> and the list goes on <laughs> yeah oh my god um neglect abandonment uh <laughs> i mean to be fair like you but brahman and i's list you can go down it you can go down our list that abandonment issues is a trigger warning for every book oh yeah no we're book. legit working on a thesis but <laughs> like this is this goes some places yeah. it goes it some does. places so if you are not in a good headspace be careful and protect yourself but this is such a good book and it is completely worth it and it is absolutely a corrective emotional experience oh it's just it has a happy ending you know? yes it it, it 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 takes you through it before you get that corrective emotional experience <laughs> So you're welcome. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate <laughs> and, and you, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not going to take you to a happier place. No, yet. no. <laughs> My number I will, two. Can I just okay. say, I think, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I just want to say, if I had read Stars in Your Eyes more recently, it might be higher for me. Because yeah. yeah, hearing Brahman talk about it, I'm like, oh, maybe it should have been higher. It's exceptional. All right. Sorry, Chris. All right. No, my take number us- two. Uh, is Mr. Magic by Kirsten White. Speaking of people that made my list last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Terrifying. So good. Fucking Mr. Magic. If Hyde was the, like, horror delight of my life, like, Kirsten White is going down a speed run of the Chris, like, horror tropes. Last year (laughs) was horror slasher set in a theme park. We know I love that. This year, cult. (laughs) ah <laughs> oh, yes God. so mr magic the plot is so good if you are deep in cr- like creepy pasta lore the way i am you might know um uh, uh oh god i'm forgetting the name of it all of a sudden uh it's not cedar cove it's something cove somebody's shouting it out on the internet the, <laughs> the creepy pasta about the children's television show so this book is inspired by that 
basically there is this infamous children's television show named Mr. Magic. But um, one day it just goes off the air and all record of it is gone. You can't like find it. People talk about it on message boards, but there's no Wikipedia. There's no articles. You can't find episodes of it. It's like it's constantly being erased from the internet anytime somebody tries to do research on it that it gets shut down like everything about it's like it's cursed kind of deal like everybody talks about like it's so weird but everybody has these memories of it and they know it's real supposedly it's the longest running children's television show and yet there's no record of it ever existing nobody knows who put it out and nobody can definitively prove who was on it oh i need this in my life it's so this reminds me of dr snuggles it's so good um and it the the um, story takes place when a podcast is reuniting the last cast of the final season to finally get the story why it got canceled and the main character is is a bisexual girl uh now a woman who has no memory of having been on it but was apparently one of the cast she doesn't know this until other members of the cast show up to get her for this reunion and tell her hey like we're here to bring you to this and she has no memory that she ever was on it and this starts a wild mystery as she's trying to figure out what happened and why she doesn't remember them or the mysterious sixth member that no one will talk about and <gasps> isn't there anymore or the fact that the host of the show mr magic nobody knows who he was or where he went there's no actor attached to mr magic nobody knows who played him and um you know the fact that nobody knows who made the show so then they go to utah downloaded (laughs) yes this middle of nowhere place where everyone who is still attached to the show aka all of these kids parents still live there outside this town in utah where the show was filmed and it's weird and a little stedford wifey and everybody's creepy and that's all I'll say. It is um, about religious trauma explicitly. The author's note at the end, Kirsten White is like, yeah, so I was a Mormon once. How did you know? Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's explicitly about religious trauma. It's about queerness. It is about the way we raise children and the legacy we leave them. It has... I. It has one of the best, it's not the very final line, but at the ending, it has this line that will live rent free in my head forever, which I can't quote because it's a huge spoiler. But when it happened on the page, I was like screaming with happiness about (laughs) it. I was just like, it was so cathartic. I practically like want to get it tattooed on me. Like it's so good. I am obsessed with this book it was amazing it was gay as fuck and it was also power of friendship we love to see it so yes we do yeah and all of the characters there's a the whole circle of friends which is all the 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 five kids once were six kids um that are now grown-up adults all of them are really well realized you get to know all of them and they all are very distinct they have their own personalities and now their own traumas and you really get to know all of them and several of them are queer and it's very cool so that's awesome oh i can't wait to start listening to it yeah i can't (laughs) wait for you to start listening to it too (laughs) even just premise alone um, the premise is so good yeah exquisite that's awesome Oh, TJ, what's your number uh, one? I know. Who I know. who could guess? I hmm. could guess. 
Yeah, so I did cheat, as we talked about earlier. Um, We talked off air, so you'll have to explain your cheating. Yeah. So my number one uh, is Wolf Song by TJ Klune. Yes, I know it was first published in like (laughs) 2016 as an ebook. So I know it's been around and it's been in various forms, but it it finally got its U.S. uh, wide publication this July. So I had read it when it was an ebook. Yeah, it's so good. I read it maybe two or three years ago and I was like, you know what? I liked that a lot more than I thought I would. And I really blew through it. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to read the other three books at some point. And I just never did. So then it finally got this release. And I was like, all right, well, let me get them. And I'm going to reread the first one. And I blew through it again. And by the end of my second read, I was like, you know what? This is one of my favorite books. Like, yeah. I freaking loved it. It's basically gay werewolves. Like, I think, like, Twilight werewolves. But if they were literally all gay um as they and should e- be yes and each book in the series is a different gay romance in that pack um i the loved thing it tj is not saying but i think is one of those where for tj it can go without saying but just because mm. something can go without saying doesn't mean it should is that this m- book will destroy you it is <laughs> i cried through seven eighths of this book it was so beautiful and so good again yeah. it's such a lyrical author very incredible writing style but holy shit i cried reading this yeah, yeah. tj's top 10 should be a trigger warning just <laughs> <laughs> well i always say my favorite books of all time like they have to make me like really emotional and cry and sobbing is like favorite of all time solving I, is I his foreplay <laughs> i don't know if this one made me cry but it definitely explored like like one of the characters that talks about how they were like it was a child so it was like child torture in the mm-hmm. past and we're exploring the trauma of that with this kid um this and is that what was- i'm saying and that's like, like it didn't make me cry but i was like oh that's really heavy you're a monster <laughs> yes i love um, you. Yeah, I just <laughs> loved it i'm gonna cut it's... out the parts of this episode and like put it together for black veil where tj's like the best cast clara books are when children die and then put it right with this one where he's like <laughs> child, child torture. torture doesn't make me cry uh, well this one i you know i compared it to twilight and that and i feel like we might have talked about this a little Narrator, last year too it's not like twilight <laughs> no 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 but in terms of like the jacob renesme of it all i'm like okay yes it's this like 16 year old teenager and then a 10 year old kid and the 10 year old kid imprints on him but then like nothing happens between them until they are both of age and there's like a time skip and yeah it does so, feel different know. if it's the 10 year old that's imprinting on him too yeah okay yeah by the way fair. Um, um, Robert Pattinson is having a baby or specifically his <gasps> partner is having a baby everyone's messages on his Instagram were keep Taylor Lautner away from that baby oh my goodness <laughs> so like I don't that's know that's adorable book, I thought you'd appreciate that was oh. good but this, oh bo- this book I don't know this book I don't know. I think it's one of my favorite of all time. Like, I get it. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Chris, abandonment issues. And it, um. I don't know, like to me, like when I pitch it to someone, I feel like it sounds really gimmicky where I'm like werewolves, but they're all gay. That's you not know? a gimmick. That's just a delight. I don't know what you yeah. mean. 
Right. But then I'm like, no, if you read it, though, like this story is just so compelling and every character is so memorable and I feel like every minor character ends up being amazing. You don't Pitching sell- it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to sell it this hard to people who literally call <sighs> like one of our favorite collective books, Gay Wolf Book. Yeah, exactly. And we don't even try okay. to remember the real name of it. No, no. But like but legitimately, yeah. that wouldn't be the way I would recommend this book even. Like, yes, they are all gay and yes, they are all werewolves, but- this is like a beautiful, traumatic, gut wrenching love story across I'm really many, glad many years. Bronwyn is here because I swear to God, I had no idea this book was traumatizing. I guess also that we keep talking about abandonment issues. The main character is dealing with abandonment issues right from the beginning because his yeah, father yeah. left him and he feels like he's not good enough for anyone and like this is why i cannot like i had no idea i was gonna this is book is one of my but January it's the reads. journey the journey i'm gonna read him. it i'm still it's gonna so read good. it i just need to be warned yeah okay well you've yeah. been warned there you go <laughs> i need brownwin to read tj's picks before i read them clearly <laughs> that's fair oh my god okay uh Bronwyn, what okay. is your book of the year so my book of the year and you're gonna need to strap in for this one <laughs> consider me strapped in okay because this is the one i was mentioning earlier where i said this is going to be my straight read and it's not straight (laughs) okay but i was going to include it on my list anyway because i count this as a monster fucker um and monster fuckers are not by their nature straight because crossing species lines is more important than crossing gender lines like let's be fair so That's you heard it here first. If you want to fuck a monster, you're gay. You're gay. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Where's Um, that pride flag? (laughs) Oh my God, we need to design it. Sarah Toby Bauer, get on it. Yes, that's your job. Um, Okay. So this, my number one pick of the year is called Shark Heart by Emily Hobbick. Oh yeah. You want to fuck a shark. That's pretty gay. Right? Doesn't get much gayer. Scaly. Except the person who did want to fuck the shark was also a bisexual woman. So I mean, I'm looking it up. It's so <laughs> good, TJ. Okay, so speaking of the craft, like the way I talked about stars in your eyes, with the way the story and the narrative is put together, being so exceptional, Shark Heart is like that. It's like that on crack. It's up to eleven on that. Okay, it is so good and so interesting in its presentation. And it's it's wild to me that you get a book with this wild of a premise in such an interesting presentation as well. So it's just like constant, constant stimulation for this one. <laughs> um, it's intense. It's so good, but it's extremely emotional. Um, it's a very heart-rending journey. It's worth it. It's beautiful. And it has, is at its heart a romance, but I wouldn't call it a romance novel because there's so much else happening here. Um, so basically what we have is, again, a hyper-realism kind of situation where it's our world, but with that one little thing that's twisted up so that we can use that to examine ourselves and our society and things like that. So in this case, with Shark Heart, that little tweak is the fact that our genetic code has like a sleeper agent. And so anybody is rare, but anybody could end up with a mutation where they might turn into an animal. Hmm. So 
and it all different kinds of animals. It has a whole medical field around it where those people are cared for and have like the, their progression is monitored and they go and they see their doctor and they have to adjust their diets and they have to like, there's a whole thing around it. And all of these medical professionals are into different specialties based on the um, type of animal that you might turn into. And so there are different levels of rarity and things like that. But overall, the genetic mutation is relatively rare and it tends to skip a generation. Mm. So it's our world, but with that kind of complicating factor involved. The main through line of the story is about our heroes, Ren and Lewis. So Ren is our bisexual woman who is never identified as neurodivergent, but I would swear by it. (laughs) Uh, This is a game of, is it neurodivergence or is it trauma response? The answer is yes. Um, (laughs) And Lewis, who is our um, mostly privileged white guy who is a drama teacher. He wants to be an actor and he ends up as a drama teacher and he feels like he has this big thing to offer to the world. And he's not sure if it's his acting or if he's going to be a screenwriter or whatever, but he's got this passion in him to always create. And they're an unlikely couple, but they fall deeply in love and are very clearly like soulmates, right? The book jumps around in time and it has surrounding characters as well and so you go back and you see some of Ren's mother's story and you see story of other characters that influence either Ren or Lewis or both of them together the story is sometimes presented as just a narrative or sometimes as a screenplay which is a really interesting way to kind of take a step back and remove from the story so when it's getting into an intense scene sometimes you'll get it presented as a screenplay But essentially, we have the love story of Ren and Lewis, and then within weeks of their marriage, Lewis is diagnosed with a very rare animal mutation where he is going to become a great white shark. And you spend the next year going through his transformation and Ren caring for him and Lewis changing from this loving husband into a carnivorous predator. I'm obsessed with this plot. It's (laughs) incredible. It is banana pants. I don't understand how this works so well, but it's essentially an allegory for caring for someone as they change. Like this is for caring for somebody with dementia. This is for caring for someone with ALS. This is for what, how do you come to terms with things you don't do in your life and things you don't get to do because of the circumstances of your life and how that defines you as a person and how your circumstances from birth to death do define your personhood, but not completely because you get to define that too, you know? And like, it is so intense. (laughs) It's so beautiful. Like, It takes stories like the story of Angela, who is Ren's mother, who you hear about from Ren's perspective periodically. And you know that they have some sort of contentious relationship, but she clearly loves her mother. But then as you slowly put it together, you're like, okay, but is her mom gone? Like, has her mom died? What did her mom do something? Like, 
what is causing this contention? Like, well, I don't understand where this is coming from. But then you get to hear Angela's story in some of the kind of retrospective portion as it jumps around in time. Well, Angela was a teen mom. She got pregnant at 15 in an abusive relationship. and But you get to see that relationship develop. And then you do find out why Ren has this complicated relationship with her mom. And it is, I did not see it coming <laughs> at all. Maybe I should have, but I did not. <laughs> but it's beautiful. And it really speaks to where you end up at the end of the story. But you even follow Lewis as he changes and into his great white sharpness. That's amazing. That sounds and incredible. Finding community and establishing community in his new life. This and is so weird. It um, is the weirdest book I've ever read. And well, it's I know, so but like the way you're I'm talking so about obsessed. it, I'm like, I kind of want to read it though. Honestly, <laughs> I cannot recommend it enough. It is so good. It's so good. You will have feels. Holy shit. <laughs> that sounds incredible. I like angst. <laughs> it sounds like you've got some there. Just a little. So if you were listening closely, listeners, you've probably already figured out there's only one book my number one could be. And that is Liar City by Allie yeah. Thurin. Um, oh my God. I wanted to second everything Brown Wynn said and add to it. I this I was obsessed with this book. The reason Brown Wynn read it is because I bothered her about it. And specifically, I'm surprised she didn't bring this up, um, but I'm going to tell on myself. I wasn't going to throw you under the bus. (laughs) I'll throw me under the bus. I wrote her and I said, hey, look, this ends on a horrible cliffhanger. And if I were nice, I would tell you to wait for the second book to come out. But I'm not nice and I want you to suffer with me. So read (laughs) it and let's wait together. And then she did. And I'm a really good friend, but I did definitely yell at you for that. And then she proceeded to complain about it for the rest of the year. So, you know. Which I'm sorry, but you had to see coming. I did. Uh, But I feel like it balances out at a certain point. Like she can't really claim all the goodness and then complain about it the whole year. So I don't know. Uh, Watch me. (laughs) (laughs) skeptical anyway uh, <laughs> um so i have a, I have a cat that's just like hanging over my shoulder behind me it was very silly looking at the camera anyway <laughs> distracting but it, it is so good it, it i mean everything like the the demonizing of empathy as a metaphor for sort of how we're living was so powerful that mm-hmm. um i was asked to do a speech at my university on banned books and i actually ended up kind of using this book as the like central metaphor when i was talking about it about how banning books like harms our ability to have empathy and i talked about it through the way this society and this book has gotten to a place where they literally fear empaths mm-hmm. because empaths can understand your emotions and how scary is that and, you know, the way that we're getting there is a society that like, you know, calling people snowflakes because you care about each other and all of this stuff, which is literally demonizing. The Using social justice warrior as an insult, as a slur, yeah. like literally the idea that caring or, you know, things mattering to you or being soft is, is in any way a bad thing. Um, and the book being about that to have a main character whose entire gift is his softness is really interesting yeah he is gentle and a pacifist by nature because the empaths are incapable of causing harm because it physically harms them to do so 
Um, and it's so powerful to watch that. And to then have his love interest be the dead man. Yeah. The dead man is exquisite. Like He's my favorite character. Listen, not surprised at all, but listeners, like <laughs> if you if you were like what it's if if i was casting this like ben barnes like darkling clothed looking ben barnes man yes like he is dark he is tall he is scary he is everything that is goes bump in the night and he He is the boogeyman he is everybody's boogeyman and he literally is the like love interest of this sweet soft pacifist empath and it's like you want sunshine and grumpy like no 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 what about soft sharp edge like it is (laughs) violently different opposites attract and when i say slow burn we've talked about slow burn several times here this is a slow burn. So this I is want the you to slowest look of me slow in the burns. eyes, verbal listener eyes. Look me in the ears, listeners. We're <laughs> not going to get much satisfaction right now. It's a series. Just letting you know right now. Not sexual satisfaction anyway. The story is incredibly satisfying. <laughs> you might not finish. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. This is emotional edged. and sexual edging right here. But it's coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Uh, so is yeah. it has someone who has not read it but now really wants to read it? Yeah. Is it supernatural empathy yes, power yes, or yes. is okay. they are psychic empathy uh, empaths? You were born that way. It's the only kind of psychic that exists in this world, and they okay. are treated as pariahs, pariahs as disabled, but um, but in a like hated way. They get there's a it's very othered oh, yeah. excuse me but they're and... they're also taken advantage of like so they have yes. a place in society they have work that they can do that is required you know but everyone fears them so much that they are absolutely right. reviled and using your empathy on somebody without their consent like they call it mind rape like it, it's very like like it's funny rare. how men in power find that terrifying so that kind of rape is deeply (laughs) deeply problematic in their society (laughs) uh and and like there's not a lot of um protections or there's no protections or anything for them as people so it's very interesting and this i didn't know if it was sorry i didn't know if it was supernatural empathy or if it was if it was like people had lost the ability to be empathetic and this one person did have that so no, so there there are multiple empaths, but it so- focuses on this one, and it is a murder mystery, mm-hmm. which is especially complicated because most empaths avoid violent crime because it is so painful to them. So part of the empathy is that you actually feel the pain of other people. So if you witness or see of the effects of violence, you feel the violence. But the main character is a bit of a glutton for punishment and he keeps like going to crime scenes and helping solve crimes even though it makes him like physically ill to do so and he's con- like his sister is this badass detective lover. oh jamie she's, she's constantly like why the fuck are you doing this like this is so bad for you and he's like but i can help <laughs> like yeah after you throw up at my crime scene thanks you know like <laughs> great job they're um, both effectively saying, help me help you. Yeah, and he's <laughs> just like, I want to do good. And she's like, yeah, but you're like, you look, you turned green the minute you stepped in here. 
Um, so yeah, it's great. It's so fun. And again, the dead man is all of the sexy, dark creepiness you could ever want in a in a man. And it, so it's murder mystery where empathy is vilified and still somehow hilarious. Oh, it is also he has a sarcastic shit. Like he is. So I say he's soft, but I don't want. He's not like gentle. No, he is a sarcastic shit. He's a full blown asshole, and I love him. Yeah, he's um, a snarky boy. <laughs> And right. it, I'm excited. Oh, he's so much fun. But like there's like there's an interaction between our empath character and like this pesky pain in the ass blogger that he ends oh, up having yeah. to deal with. And it makes me laugh so hard. I, I used one of the quotes from it earlier, which is just like, you know, you're the only one who ever sees this about me and everyone else sees this and blah, 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 blah. And so you must be using your empathy. And he's like, no, I'm just not a dick. <laughs> and then he's like i am a dick but he is a dick yeah (laughs) because he can sense lying so it's like having an interior lion cat from saga you know (laughs) ah yes it's so good (laughs) we we have forced so many people in our lives to read this um shuri uh fan favorite shuri sw sonheimer i forced her to read it now she's forcing everyone she knows to read Mm -hmm. it so yeah, it's it's the best. So, Ali yep. Theron, we are your street team for this book as well. So definitely, and I love this. You have to start really enunciating "street" when you say "street team" because it keeps sounding like "straight team," and we are not that. I mean, we will also be your streak team. If you okay, <laughs> I definitely thought you said "straight team" at one point, and I didn't realize that's what you were saying. I'm sorry. I'm still recovering from the cold. <laughs> I won't let go. But I literally, I thought "straight team" was a term I just wasn't familiar with. My favorite I was thing like, about that, I was like, why is no one making a joke about the straight right. word here? Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite things about TJ is he will let me be wrong for so long and not correct me. I just trust that you're smarter than I am. No, but sometimes you know I'm wrong and you'll still just let me go. Like the time when I thought Joss Whedon was related to Will Wheaton and you just let me keep saying it <laughs> oh, for honey. so long. <laughs> That's because... I didn't know how to correct you, but now I do. It's because you're. I mean, that was early on in our friendship when he was like still being nice to me. Now he'd just be like, "No, (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious." (laughs) The fact that those names are not spelled the same and that I knew that never occurred to me. That's. I'm just gonna say that's the ADHD. (laughs) Aww, you're so pretty. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes the brain is smooth. So those were our beautiful top tens full of a lot of books that we didn't overlap on that much. I know. I'm kind of impressed with us, actually. I know. Which that was means impressive. You almost have 30 new books to read. Well, also all of our honorary mentions. So you have more than 30 books to read. <laughs> <laughs> so listeners, that is it for part one of our Queer in Review. But don't you worry. We have read so many books collectively between us all. We've read like 600, I think, if I do that. No, 700, if 700. I did the math right. Yep, at least 700. So we are going to do more. <laughs> so come <laughs> back for part two of the Queer and Review, where we will do all kinds of fun things. And you will get to hear about some wild journeys we went on book-wise. Oh, that you will. <laughs> TJ, where can our listeners find you? Oh, you can find me at <laughs> TroyFin2 on basically all social media. I'm on Twitter, Blue Sky, Threads, Instagram. 
Uh, and you can find me with Chris over on Gotham Outsiders, also mm-hmm. on uh, mm-hmm. some of those platforms. And yeah, you can check out Gotham Outsiders, a Batman book club on yeah. any app that you stream podcasts. Yay! Absolutely. And until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye. And where can our listeners find you, Bronwyn? You can find me on all the things at Shiny Baby B. I mostly live on Twitter, where I usually am tweeting about what I'm reading, because I'm always reading. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at The Myth of Psyche, where I tweet about feminism, psychology, and also what I am reading. <laughs> and you can find me also on Gotham Outsiders, a podcast talking about queerness and feminism in the Bat family with my co-host, TJ. And you should also be checking out our parent podcast at Talking Comics on Twitter, or you can email them at podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. And if you want to uncork more web comics goodness from our show, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Thirsty on Tune, where we should be reading, drinking, and being nerdy. 